Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen and guns. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year. Uh, 2020. The Roaring Twenties. 2020. We're back in the Roaring Twenties. Back in the Roaring Twenties. You know, it's so funny. When I was a kid and I'd hear about the 20s, I'd be like, that would have been crazy to live in the 20s. In the 10s? Turn of the century? I've done it all. If I can make it another 50 years, I'm good. You'd be 97. I could do 97. Totally. Uh, my wife was just saying she's doing a lifestyle change. Her mind and her body were not at the same place physically. Well, my mind and my spirit, I feel like we're in the same place, and my body is not at, in the same place. So Leanne... Yes. In the same way that she does everything in her life, took charge of it. Now she has a personal trainer. I do. I got a trainer. She's busting her fucking ass. I'm pretty excited about it. He's a gorgeous black man. He's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous black man. Gorgeous. He is gorgeous. Yes. Really great. And he has two Karen Terriers. They're the cutest dogs ever. <laughs> He's like Patrice <laughs> O'Neill. Patrice had like weird fucking dogs like that. Yeah, they're two Karen Terriers. I don't even know what a Karen Terrier uh, is. Toto. <laughs> oh, two uh, toto dogs nice one's name is uh one's name is um wolf and the other one is cookie <laughs> and wolf and cookie work out with me <laughs> we were just saying my marijuana is now harvested and we are letting it dry and i got to give a shout out to all those people that grew marijuana my entire life you really knew what the fuck you were doing yeah boy did i have no fucking clue i've been growing these plants for almost a full calendar year and I, I'm telling you, man, I even my best looking nugs are, are still something you'd look at and go, who the fuck grew this? This is not acceptable. Yeah, they. it looks pretty sad. It, they do. Well, some of my, I need to trim up some of them. I was thinking about, I'm going to get on the treadmill tonight. I'm going to run. Um, they look six leggy. More, they look, well, no, some of them haven't been trimmed. The ones on the outside have all been trimmed. The ones on the inside, half have been trimmed. Okay. So I'm going to get on the treadmill tonight. I'm going to run another six miles. On New Year's Eve? Yeah. It's, well, I mean, we still have another fucking six hours until the ball <laughs> drops. I have a lot to do. This is my first New Year's Eve off in probably, probably, honestly, 13 years, probably. It's been a while. I don't know if it's been that long. I've been doing stand-up on New Year's yeah, but Eve. but you didn't do stand-up New Year's Eve all the time. I did it. Tell me when I didn't. You had one off at some point recently. We went to Sandy and Tom's, and they always had these amazing dinners and it was a bust that one year you were off it was a bust i don't remember that i but, do so that's in the last nine years but i'm home with my family this new year's eve all the girls have decided to do other things we have one and so three girls i am sleep home over here by and... myself you're not home by yourself with you and your dad might as well be and, and with so... three girls that are sleeping over oh there's a sleepover so there'll be so i was going to go out to the man cave run a quick six <laughs> miles try to get it in in under an hour that's 10 minute miles and then come back in, have a little champs with you, watch the ball drop, Yeah. go to the bed, watch two balls drop. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, hey, thank you for everyone who came out and supported me on either my podcast, my cooking show, my podcast with Tom, 
the podcast we got with Bill. Um, there will be more of those coming out, I think, in the new year. And and my tour, Body Shots World Tour. Body Shots World Tour is now officially, officially, officially over. We had two shows that I forgot about when I said officially over. And it was the greatest year of my life. I had an absolute fucking blast this year. And I am starting it very strong in production this Monday all the way until the 20th. And then we hit the road January 30th for the Birdie Boy World Tour. Um, tickets, we had a big, a huge bump in tickets. So a lot of shows sold out over christmas a lot of people bought them for christmas presents thank you so much everyone at pachanga and borgata i had two fun ass fucking shows i am so happy to be back in the writing mode and not preparing an hour for a special it's so much fucking fun well let me ask you this shoot every year on new year's day what do you do oh that's interesting black eyed peas collard greens that wasn't what I was talking about. But we are having black eyed peas and collard greens. Wait, what do I do? You usually write out your goals. Oh, I do that on my birthday, baby. I've already done that. No, you do it on New Year's Eve, too. I mean, uh, New Year's I, Day. I, I, I have written out some goals, but primarily that's my birthday event. Yeah, that I is mean, a big-time birthday event. But I have, I have a few goals this year. I have a question about that, which Shoot. is why I brought it up. So years ago, your goal was to be on tour on a tour bus. Yeah. So you've reached that goal. Uh-huh. So what's your next goal? I mean, you don't have to say it out loud if you don't want anybody if it's private. No, no, I have no, it's not, there's no secret to it. Um, I want to, I would like to, my thing is that I, I've done so much of of what I've, I've been so comfortable, uh, you know, I, a long time ago, and, and Joe Rogan has said this, is that, you know, you really get better at life when you do things that make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And a long time ago, I, I said, I'm going to put myself in uncomfortable situations. I talked to my therapist about it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I meant to tell them. Write down my therapist. I don't um, even need to write just it with. Remind me to tell them that. Okay. Um, I talked to my therapist about it, about how it made me uncomfortable to be working at the store because I felt like I didn't know anyone. I felt like I, I was felt out of my place. And he said, what's one of your biggest goals? And I said, one of my biggest goals at the time was to be a regular at the store, a mm -hmm. paid regular. Mm -hmm. And he said, how do you think you go about that? By not going? And I went, well, no, you got to go. And he goes, then you got to go. Mm -hmm. And he said, you got to, you know, you got to do things that make you uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I kind of hung that hat my, as my mantra. And I've done that a lot. I've made, I've done a lot of things that made me uncomfortable, including what we're working on currently right now. And I think I just want to make myself more uncomfortable. I want to do big tour, the tour, the way, the way we're doing it. I want to do the tour bus. I want to shoot stuff on the road to go on my YouTube channel. I want to make more content for people because I know that I enjoy getting into a content groove with someone like Joe who puts it out consistently or Tom who puts it out consistently. Mm -hmm. So, and I want to do stuff like uh, the movie and a sitcom. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. I think touring wise, I would like to steadily see things grow, but I think, I think, I think I can do more in, in, um, in other spaces too, or at least I'd like to try. I'd like to put myself out there and I'm comfortable with people going. And I know that the people listening to this will be like, Hey man, I liked it. Not my favorite thing, yours. They did that on on Travel Channel, right? They'd be like, "Hey, man, I love your stand up. I love your podcast," <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. But you got to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Mm -hmm. I know that that is the that is the biggest flaw I've seen in certain people that didn't achieve what I thought they should have achieved when we started. Mm -hmm. Is they didn't put themselves in uncomfortable situations, whether it was getting out of the house. And by the way, let this be your, be your one Burt Kreischer little motivational speech. Whether it was getting out of the house. When they didn't want to go do stand-up, whether it was going to auditions, whether it was saying, hey, I'm hungover as fuck and I don't want to work out or I don't want to get on the treadmill or I don't want to go for a walk or I don't want to get coffee and go right or I don't want to go and hang out with other people. It's so easy to get in your comfort zone and just do shit that makes you comfortable. I know that 
for certain. I think at times when I wasn't outputting a lot, it was times when I was just staying in my comfort zone with my family with a bottle of wine and some TV. You're what looking you at your watch. No, a I'm timer in this went off. Great motivational speech. A timer went off. I was and stopping Leanne it. And just looked at her no, fucking No, I turned watch. the timer off. It was on my watch. I had something great to say, but never mind. Now. What were you gonna say? Your 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 pie's ready. No, it is. No, it's not. It's not a pie. What is it? It's a bunt cake. Not even close. What to were a you pie. gonna say, baby? What I was going to say is sometimes you fight your demons and sometimes you snuggle with them. You're an asshole. <laughs> Why am you I an asshole? asshole? Why am I an asshole? How does that make me an asshole? Because you you led me into that. You fucking walked me into that. No, I did not. You, where did you 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 just showed that to me the other day, and I was like, that is a badass quote. And yes. You're like, this is you, honey. Yes. And you were just describing that exactly. Sometimes I get comfortable and snuggle with my Sometimes demons. I get off the road and I go, I can't get out of bed today. I just want to lay in bed today. Well, that's not the same thing. And no, it is. Sometimes and sometimes I go, sometimes. Get, up, get up and go to Hot Spin. But, it'll start your day and it'll make you feel better. Didn't I call you the other day and I go, I went to Hot Spin and, and I go, this just writes my fucking boat. It does. To get all that negative impurity out of your body. And for me, a lot of times it's booze coming off the road. To get that out of your body by busting your ass, getting your heart rate up to 165, sweating incredibly, and walking out into a brisk LA morning at 65 degrees just writes my When was it boat. 65 degrees in the last week? It's been freezing here. Do you think Deepak Chopra <laughs> could have been married to this fucking woman? I start with a fucking <laughs> inspirational quote, and all you do is pick apart the bullshit. My bunt cake's ready. When was it 65 degrees? It's not Sometime. 65 degrees, but you have to live in reality a little bit. It was like barely 60 all week. It was what, freezing. Why does it matter what the fucking temperature was? Are you serious right now? Are you snuggling with your demons right now? <laughs> I'm going to Sebastian Maniscalco's show at the Forum. You are? In LA, yeah. By yourself? January 11th. No, I'm going with you. Oh, really? Yeah, we're both going. I'm I super, am? I'm super, super, super excited. Well, I need to get a sitter. Uh, yeah, get a sitter. We're definitely going. When I'm is dying. it? Uh, January 11th at the Forum. Um, I'm, not, I'm not doing a promo for a show, but I'll tell you, I will be there. I can't wait. I, I'm dying to see. All these guys are doing such big things in stand-up. And I, got, and I will say this. I will say this out loud. You say this shit out loud and to make it come true. That is definitely one of my goals. I saw Gabe play the Staples Center. I saw Sebastian's doing the forum, builded the forum. I would love that trajectory in my career. I would love to get there. That is one of my goals. Yeah. And I think the easiest way to see your goals come true is to go and witness other people Absolutely. doing it right. Yeah, and surround you yourself by, by people like that. Totally. And he has been making me fucking giggle so hard lately. Has he? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, his new shit. I don't think he'll, I don't know. I, this is like super, super new. I don't know if he'll do it at the forum. I hope to God he does. Um, but yeah, so I'll be doing that. And uh, yeah, and that's my January is all in LA. I'll be in LA. So if you go by the store any any night, uh, I, I don't know if I can do every night. I'm going to put my veils in, but I'm going to let them know I can. I'm going to probably have to cancel them at times, but I'll be at the store every night I can be uh, in January and then off to the road starting in Burlington, Vermont. I'm so excited to do Burlington. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm so excited to do Burlington, Rochester, Dayton, San Jose, Sacramento, Bakersfield, Indianapolis, Evansville, Louisville, Medford, Mash Nantucket. We've added a show. We've added a show. I think we've added two shows in Medford at the Chevalier, mm. Portland, Maine. I'm, I'm so excited. To Maurice go back. Chevalier? 
<laughs> Birdie Boy World Tour. You can go to burtburtburt.com. It goes well into May and it ends in Greensboro, North Carolina. Like, no, my. Oh, my God, Chevalier. Go take care of your fucking bunt cake. Thank you, thank you. There's no ads today, everybody. Let's just start the show. Today's podcast is fucking awesome. And this is what I love about podcasting. You know, a year ago, maybe it had to be over a year ago, Nick came on the podcast. It was before Halston was working for me, right? Nick came on the podcast hot. I mean, real hot. And uh, and he and he looked at me and said, I need to pull a something to get me straight. And by the way, I, I, won't, I won't say we've all been there, but there are times when we've all been hungover and a little hair of the dog that bit you uh, is exactly what you need for some of us. Not for all of us. Um, I know that if I, I know that I have certain punitive parts of my of my brain where I go, um, uh, you don't get treats today. You got to get punish yourself. I was, it was just what I was talking about. Uh, and but it was kind of odd. I, I didn't really think pay much attention to it. We had drinks. I know a lot of times people come on my show excited to have a drink, and so that's all I just wrote it off to. And and then like a month ago, two months ago, so I said something about Nick, and someone goes, "You know, he quit drinking." And I went, "No." And they're like, "Yeah, he quit drinking." I was like, "Oh, I and." In your head, when you're a big drinker and you have these guys that are fun to drink with, you're like, God, we lost another one. And they're like, no, no, no. Actually, it was not a, in a good way. And I went, really? And they're like, yeah. And I didn't know if Nick was going to come on and talk about it. And he did right out the gate. And this is a fucking awesome podcast. I tell you right now, I've been, I've been surrounding myself a lot with people. I've been running into people who have quit drinking a lot lately. I mean, it's like one of those things where, you know, we talk about totems that if something you see something a lot like i see owls a lot so an owl's my totem and then you got to look into what does that mean for you i think kyle canane's totem was hot dogs <laughs> but but uh i've been running into it a lot and you know I, I not to spoiler alert but i think we shared something like this i think we're gonna do something very sober octobery early on in next year or maybe in a few months and so i look forward to that i always enjoy those and i always enjoy sober october but it's part of the reason i'm getting on the treadmill tonight uh, and as part of the reason, I'll have a couple glasses of champagne with Leanna and just go to bed. Um, I, you know, I, I definitely do not want to be a statistic. I want to be able to live my life the way I want and drink. But it's conversations like this that kind of open your eyes. And so I just say this, you know, look, if you're, if it's it's January 1st, and if you're thinking, fuck this, man, let's do 2020 without any booze. I think Bill Burr did that. It was like right around, he was like, let's see if we can go a year. This is a great podcast to listen to. Um, do not listen to anything I say medical, okay? No matter what I say medical, I don't know anything about medical, the medicalness of drinking and alcoholism. I don't. I can tell you uh, I do not have DTs. I don't get DTs. I don't, I, I'm assuming that's because I don't drink enough. Um, I know that everyone believes I should have them, but I think people just overestimate how much I drink. I don't get them. And so, I probably say a bunch of irresponsible stuff. So do not listen to me when you think about your drinking. Don't ever go like, well, Bert's got to drink more than me. And if he doesn't get him, I won't get him. Now, don't just, if you're thinking about quitting drinking, talk to a doctor. Do not listen to me. I have to say that. Um, this is a fucking amazing podcast. And this is what I love about Nick Thune. He's just, he's just an amazing dude. He really is. And he's a great comic. He is so talented on so many levels. He is on tour right now, up and down the East Coast, correct? He kicks off January 15th. Um, get, you can get tickets at nickthune.com. Uh, he's 
out with another comic. He's just a great, 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 great guy. And I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy that he found sobriety and 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 is is living it living it and enjoying it. So this is a great podcast for January 1st. Motherfuckers, have a great, great day to begin this year. Have a great day. Do all the things that you want to happen for the rest of your year. Bert, why are you so inspirational? Because I ran four miles this morning. I'm running six more tonight, and I'm getting my shit together this year. I'm going to focus and make a bunch of great content, and it starts right here with a super honest, super amazing, probably the reason I got into podcasting type of podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, today's BertCast, Nick Thune. This is BertCast. Are you not drinking anymore? I quit. Dude, good for you. Good for you. <sighs> yeah, it's been over a year. Shut up. No, no. That's crazy. It was, it was brutal, though. It wasn't like I just walked up to like a place and was like, you know, I'm not going to buy alcohol anymore. And I got, I was in the hospital and shit. Wait, what? Yeah, it was kind of, this is a really great intro to the podcast. <laughs> Dude, you're one of my favorite people. <laughs> so be good. I mean, you're one of my favorite human beings alive. So, and, 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 and I well, love your Instagram. I feel like, I feel like I see you and your son together. And it's, I, I, it reminds me of when I was a young dad, we didn't have social media the way we did back yeah. then, but the way you're play, you play with him. It reminds me of when I was a young dad. I know. And that, well, I mean, this is going to be a huge bummer to everyone that drinks. I remember when I was drinking, I hated hearing people talk about this. Oh, I, I, I specifically love what happened people. to me, which is what my fear was because I got Lyme's disease. Um, like, I don't know, somewhere in Indiana, I guess I was doing Bloomington. Remember the movie Breaking Away? Well, you got Lyme's disease as an adult? Yeah. Last in a year and a half ago. Holy shit. Lyme's disease is like, it's it's almost like uh it's almost like being possessed right like it's 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 weird it's a thing that people don't fully get yet and like or understand i should say um like i don't get allergies but i understand them <laughs> i get allergies so bad I, allergies I are guess crazy i get them <laughs> allergies are crazy because you don't realize you, you're just all of a sudden you're like my throat hurts i think i'm getting cancer and then all of a sudden, someone like allergies are bad right now, and you're like, "Oh, that's right, that's why my throat hurts." Also, living here, I in New York, I don't snore at all. Really? In Los Angeles, I snore like a demon, and I don't understand why. <laughs> it's like it's it's such an odd thing, but yeah. So I got limes. How did and, you get limes? Were you camping or something? No. So have you seen the movie Breaking Away? That uh, old bicycle movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So in that movie, they jump into a quarry off like a huge rock. Yeah my life stream has been to find that quarry. So I was doing the comedy addict and I asked around and they were like, one guy's like, oh, one of my friends kind of has heard about where it is. It's on some private property. And so they took me and like, we hiked for two hours into this private property that was insane with like signs, like no trespassing, live ammunition, like all this shit got lost and then found it and jumped into this beautiful quarry that I guess is going to be gone or is gone already. Really? But it's the same. It's like perfect. Like the most green, weird colored blue water, you, you know, and it was amazing. And then I go from there to Montreal. And I mean, the kind of bender that I was on, I would say like, um, like I was in, in the lobby of the, um, 
is in the lobby of the hotel in Montreal. This is where somebody found a tick in my forehead when I so I'd been there for like a week or something. But I was sitting in the lobby and Mark Marin walked up and he goes, "Hey man, heard you're uh, not doing too hot." I was like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, fuck. "You look like shit, man." Then he walked away. <laughs> and oh, but God, like fuck. same thing like I ran into I ran into Burr at like a grocery store and he was like he like looked at he like looked me up and down and I I mean I did look like a monster and he was like, man, I can't wait. <laughs> wait, let me find the exact words he said. Oh, I can't wait to hear the concept album. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, when I, I ran into Marin again later, I was like, who told you I'm not doing well? He's like, I don't know, a few people, Burr, someone else. So I think it was like, because I'd gone on Bill's podcast and I think I was really drunk. And um, But I mean, I was like a bottle and a half, two bottles of vodka a day, just solid for maybe two, three years, like nonstop yeah like hiding booze like drinking 24 hours a day um i did that yesterday yeah. <laughs> i'm going through uh i'm going through ocd sometimes my ocd will kick in really heavy and i and it's, it's and you panic. have to organize all the alcohol into your stomach <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah. no yesterday and yesterday was good with my wife's having this party all these people came over at noon and i got up at six i i ranged the whole backyard i started cooking briskets early. i don't understand oh that. yeah i like it and then and then uh, I had a drink around like one o'clock and then I had another one at like two o'clock. I fell asleep in the man cave. I woke up and then it's like four. We go over to the new house. We start having a few pops there. I have a cigar. Mm -hmm. And then we went and watched the movie Knives Out at a friend's house in their oh. screening room. P passed out in their screening room. I want to see that. It was, it's all right. It's I mean, I want to see you guys passed out in the <laughs> screening room. <laughs> but yeah. And then I woke up this morning going at like six going, I got to go to hot spin. I gotta get fucking. I gotta flush this. Does out. Does that help you flush it out? When you oh my god! It, it writes my boat immediately. If if you feel mm -hmm. sketchy and hungover, I go to hot spin. It's about ninety five degrees in there. It's been an hour. Mm -hmm. I come out. It's like I didn't drink the day before. Yeah, and I'm completely fine. And then, uh, but the 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 the. I mean, the battle is tonight. I want to go. I want to go. I I get I get the vapors i'm like hey what do we want you guys want to go to an italian yeah. restaurant like oh yeah then you get a martini I mean, for yeah. me then i just get a martini right away yeah so 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 you're who found the tick <sighs> that's a little dicey to talk about right now but <laughs> i'm in the midst of a few life changes that i have to kind of there will be a nice moment where i could talk about all of it but um <laughs> i think you can imagine what happened <laughs> <laughs> that would be a little dicey to share. <laughs> Suffice to say, someone found a tick. <laughs> and um, and I didn't think much of it, you know, like the tick. And and uh, came back to LA, was working. And, and did they pull it out? Yeah. Okay. Some tweezers, and I I even kept it. And and then I went back to LA and didn't think about it. And I was riding with my riding partner, and um, I was like, man, look at this weird mark on my arm, um. It's like it must have been from wrestling with my son because, like, you know, he grabs my arm sometimes. Like, he tries to hurt me, which yeah. I love. Like, you, you know, when you really feel them try to scratch you with their nails, yeah. and you're like, oh, oh, you tried to get one in there, huh? Oh, too bad, daddy's big. But no, he. I, so I was like, my friend looked at it. And then a half hour later, I was like, did I tell you about the tick? And I so I tell him a story about the tick, and he's googling. I have no idea. And he flips his computer on. The mark on my arm is a lesion that you get from Lyme's disease. Like. And, and it hits you quick. Like people say, if you don't get the tick out within maybe less than 36 hours, the chance if it had, if the tick has limes, you're, you have it at that point, really. Yeah. So I got it out like a week later and then sat with it dormant in my body for 
um, maybe a month or something. And immediately, like everyone that you know that knows somebody that has Lyme's disease, like I went to the doctor right away. But the thing is, you can't just go to doctors about Lyme's disease. There's only a few that really understand how to get this out of your system. People that have chronic Lyme disease, like people that got a tick bite when they were 12. And then when they're 21, they're like, God, man, they just think life is normal, how tired they are and sore they are sometimes. And they find out and it's just chronic and it's there, you know? Yeah, I saw that. This is my only reference of Lyme disease. But the girl from real world Seattle had it. Oh, yeah. And she had like a freak out mode. And she was like, and then she came back. She's like, guys, this is like, I mean, this is like, th there's been a number of things where someone said something when I was, I was a kid. And we didn't know that that it was real. And she was like, I have Lyme's disease. And everyone started laughing. We were like, Lyme's disease? Yeah. Is that even a thing? And then you've come to feel realize you're like, oh, it's a legit thing. Yeah. Well, I remember that too now. I can't. Yeah. But I remember she whatever she said she had to me, it was the equivalent of AIDS. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know. Man. I was, she's like, it's it sounds a serious. death sentence. And I was like, wait, what? What? But so wait, so you I, did you go to a doctor in LA? So I go to this doctor in Malibu. Um, that's like the second best doctor for it in LA. The other guy was just booked. So I'm at this guy, this guy in Malibu and start treating it right away with like intense antibiotics and like a total diet change and like all these things that you have to, you know, switch, but also running tests on my body. And so I had a friend die last summer, this musician named Richard Swift, who, if you haven't heard, you should listen to his whole library he's amazing and um right now he died of alcoholism i mean he straight died of Jesus Christ. booze 44 it and it it took the wind out of me in a way that i i mean like four day benders in my office crying for four days drinking you know and i remember talking to his wife and they were like um she was like yeah you know it was bad and and him and i had spoken Five days before he in the hospital, which was then two days later, he was in hospice that quickly just from drinking and liver and cirrhosis of the liver and the, you know, and the um, kidneys. And so she was somehow brought up like we, I was talking with her and her kids and and um, they were talking about they went to Disneyland like that was one of the, like the things they had done towards the end. And and what I, I was like, man, how did he last Disneyland all day? Because I've been wanting to take my son, but I seriously couldn't go more than an hour without drinking because I was waking up in the middle of the night with my legs numb. I was waking up in the middle of the night, like with my heart hurting in a way that only downing the equivalent of five shots of vodka out of the hidden bottle that I have in the downstairs bathroom at three in the morning could save me from. Wait, whoa. Like it was legit. Like it wasn't just. Partying. This is like Nick Cage shit in holy that shit movie. so and that's what and richard and i had spoken on the phone a week before this all happened and he was in the same place he was in a car in his car in the parking lot about to check himself into a, a place and um didn't work out but he <laughs> obviously and he so i knew that i was there i knew i was dying i really did you know i'd been sober for 12 years at one point from like 17 i'd gone thrown into rehab when i was 17 or whatever and just chalked it up to being a party kid and enjoy the like love the fact that I was sober from my twenties. Like, like that kind of kept me. I was like, I'm gonna be healthy forever now. I was sober in my twenties. Yeah. In some way. But my thirties were just a a bender of a blur of a bender. But then towards the end, so the doctor and they had to do run all these blood tests on me and stuff. And so finally I go in to meet with the doctor on a day. He he closes the door, which he never closed, and he sat down and he goes, I need to talk to you about drinking. 
He's like, well, I smell you. I can smell it on you. I've smelt it on you every time. Um, you're dying. You have 365 enzymes in your liver. And I was like, what is that? What, what's normal? And he said, six. So I don't know if I remember that correctly. I know that it was that drastic of a number difference. Yeah, your ends when your enzymes bump up, usually it means it can mean you're sick, like you like yeah. you have a cold or something. Your mm -hmm. enzymes will try to fight it, but for the most part, it's you know my, that was why I quit drinking. That's why I started losing weight. So my enzymes were up, not shockingly, but they were mm -hmm. elevated. And my doctor's like, you're getting a fatty liver. Like if you get a fatty liver, that turns into cirrhosis. That turns into. But for me, it was my weight. He was like, it's, yeah. he was like, it's not, he's like, you're 268 pounds or 258 pounds. He was like, of course your drinking's adding to it because you're drinking and that's why you're fat. Mm -hmm. So you need to lose weight. And so I, that scared the shit out of me. I lost 35 pounds and was like, how about now? And he was like, oh, you're good. And then I, I just go right back to where I was. I'm fucking trying to keep it off. I know. Well, it's, that's the thing too, is he didn't say like, you need to cut back. He was like, you're absolutely dying. You're on your deathbed right now. Um, you need to quit right now. And he like gave me some plan and we like set up this thing of like medications he was going to put me on. And I just knew like, I'm sitting there like, it's not going to work. So I left and, and, um, I had like a quarter of a bottle of Tito's in my, in my car. I mean, I was drinking and driving like every day I was just drinking out of a bottle of Tito's driving down San Fernando, like finished that quarter, bought another fifth, went up into the Canyon, like parked off a Canyon road in Malibu left my car and walked into the canyon with a bottle just thinking like well this is it and then the thing that kind of brought me out of it was thinking well okay so if i do die down here if i if i go down here and decide not to die because i knew that i could just drink that bottle and i think i would die if i did that if i decide not to then i might have a ticket on my car and i might get a dui <laughs> so i like yeah. kind of had like that down halfway down the canyon go back up called Dave Becky, my manager, and just said, my hands are up, man. Put me into rehab, you know, like now. It has to happen right now or else it's not gonna happen. Jesus. And my buddy, my writing partner, Kevin too, was involved and they came, grabbed me, put me into rehab. And when I went in, I blew a 3.8, a point three eight, And um, as calm as could be, answering questions, talking. Um, two days in so you know you go into rehab like this they're just trying to keep you alive and keep you comfortable through the detox how do they do that um different medications like like ativan which is like which is basically you know uh yeah <laughs> yeah ativan yeah and um and then something else i can't think of the name right now that's like a pretty serious one that's used for like detoxing like they use it for multiple different types of detox but um and then they wean you off of it once you're through the ultimate, you know, but, but the, the reality of, of alcohol and benzos, Ativan, benzos, benzos those are the only two things that can absolutely kill you if you stop. Yeah. You know, like. Why, how can alcohol kill you if you stop? Is that. Your body will just heart attack, seizure. You're, it, it, they're the two things that if you are that addicted, if you are as, yeah. addic as addicted as I was, if your body was as addicted then it will just shut down. And that's what happened with Richard. That's what happened. And they weren't able to keep him alive. Oh, I see. Okay. And, yeah. and so um, I was in there for a day and a half. Things were normal. I thought. I thought things were normal. I mean, I wasn't feeling good. 
and um, I was having outer body experiences. I can't even, I was having what they call DTs, which are delusional tremors, which are actual, like when they finally like told me about the things that were happening that I was talking about casually, they were keeping a very close eye on me. Like, cause I t brought up a horse that I'd seen on the property, no horses. There was a, a French bulldog that I was, could have sworn was on the other side of this like ivy fence that I was like literally on the ground, like, like, like in, uh, in the bushes thinking, and, and one of them had brought me out and they're like, Nick, that property is under construction. Nobody lives there. Do you really think Jesus. a French bulldog would be on that property? Does that make any sense? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a coyote like, but, and, and, um, so I didn't know how bad it was getting. And then I tried to escape on, um, this night. Like I just, I really was losing. I thought, I thought that Craig Robinson was there and directing a movie that I was starring in. And I was talking to everybody there as if like, when's Craig going to get here? And like, God, it's so cool that he's directing now, like that, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Like, and they were just, they had no idea they had to go with it with me. And uh, I guess one of the guys said, okay. And I was like, well, here's the thing is I haven't read the script, so I don't know what the scene is. And the guy goes, the scene is, is you lay on that couch and act like you're asleep. And I guess that's what they were like, see these cameras. And there were obviously those are what we're catching it all on. It's all like, Jesus. and so I like lay on the, and then that night. So then they put me back to bed and then they found me naked in the backyard at like three in the morning and rushed me to Santa Robles hospital three in the morning naked seizuring and the hospital called code on me which is like whoever's available just please get here now and the only thing i know from that moment was um i woke up for a brief second and i still remember it kind of it's so weird and i woke up and there was a doctor above me and and he's like nick you're tied down because you were being combative and i like looked down and my arms are tied down and i'm fully naked and there's people all around me and he's like we're trying to keep you alive and then i'm just gone away and then I wake up, I think three, four days later in the hospital room, still confused. I didn't quite understand what was happening. Um, I guess I, there was a phone in there. I, I would like, it'd be great to hear what Al Madrigal has to say right now. Really? Because I called Al while I was in there. I, I don't, still don't know why, but um, I was told that I called Al Madrigal. <laughs> I've never actually asked him about what, what I talked about, but I know that I'd called a few people and was not clear, not making sense, not, you know. Um, and I guess a big thing too is that people, everyone that talked to me was like told like, he's going to ask about his clothes. He doesn't have any, but he won't understand that. So just say that your clothes are there. <laughs> Jesus. So then I just got back into rehab after that, after like seven days in the hospital and then stayed for 50 days. And while I was in rehab, my rehab burnt down in the Malibu fires. Oh, you were, that's when you were in rehab. So I woke up at like 8.30, go out and the whole house is, you know, it was smoking. The day before it was like outside, it was like fiery, you know, but yeah. you never think it's going to like really come close. It's not really happening, you know? Yeah. And everybody's like frantic and I'm in the kitchen making lemon water, which I'd started doing every morning. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I'm like, Hey, so do you know if we're going to have to evacuate or not? And they're like, we are, we have to be out of here in 10 minutes. And every, they just forgot to wake me up. I was like the last room oh, on this property shit. and they just didn't wake me up. So I like, grabbed all my shit, got out and the house burnt down within two hours of evacuation. Holy fuck. So wait, where do they take you when your house burns? down? We went up, up to some Airbnb in Oxnard or something like, yeah. But 
people like that was a great excuse for people to just go back out and drink. God like, wants me to hey, drink. Yeah, obviously we're not supposed to be in rehab. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord burn it down, guys. <laughs> oh God. But I just knew, I knew that like my life was over if I wasn't going to stop. So when did you, when did you, when, when did you see a shift in the way your brain was thinking in rehab? When did you go, oh yeah, I'm going to try to do this. Well, I only went in because I was going to try to do it, you know, but like, what? But but like there's kids in there that don't want to be in there. And you like, I remember I, a couple of times I would be sitting in a group and I'd be like, listen, just because your mom and dad sent you here doesn't mean you have to say stupid shit. I'm actually trying to fucking learn. So the whole time in there, you were like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to make this work. Yeah. I mean, and it, but it was also amazing. You know, I was in Malibu. It was like, it was, I was like treated like a celebrity. Dave Becky got me in. Like I. I got to take on my own, like they would take me to the grocery store where no one else was going. And I got to like walk around these grocery stores. And, but I remember the first time I went, I had a full on panic attack in the grocery because I still couldn't be around people. It was, I was starting to get that way about drinking. Like I just couldn't be around people. I was having anxiety and I never understood anxiety. You know, I remember you came over here one time and did a podcast and it was so, such a, I'd never seen anyone do it, but I was like, I, I was like, oh yeah. I've, in my head, I've always actually justified that behavior if it ever happens to me that oh nick did it so it's fine but you were like i remember you came in and we were about to start podcast you're like i gotta take a poll you mind and i was like yeah and you just grabbed the first bottle like a bottle of vodka and just took a poll and i'm it's i mean you can see the video you can find the video and i remember going do you want me to make you a drink and you were like yeah i'd love a drink and i was like oh, i'll have a drink and it was like you know 10 in the morning and i, I mean i swear to god nick i've actually had my brain's a little more um yeah a little more uh punitive like if i if i'm hung over if i had too much to drink my body my, my brain wants to punish my body mm. like it wants me to do stuff i don't normally want to do get up go get a coffee go work out go go for a run go for a hike fight it yeah like and i, I can i can never succumb to it like i many mornings you wake up hungover you're like hair of the dog we'll start the day off but i just i don't i can't i can't do that for some reason but I've always thought that if I needed to, I could do it and justify it because you did it. I remember, I remember it's, <laughs> I remember a, that such a funny, you're like, I could use a little tug. And I was like, Hey, I'm hungover too. I was like, well, you know, we're podcasting this. I'm making money. I'm working. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and then but we I didn't, proceeded to drink the whole time. Yeah. And then I, but I've never, I've never, I've never, I never knew you were drinking like that though. Like I never even seeing it. I'm so naive. Sometimes people didn't know I was really good at, you see, I, hiding I, I followed it. you on instagram all the keep fucking my time. shit together you never feel it never seemed like you ever had yeah. any like any inkling of a problem the thing is is i looked like i mean like if if you look at pictures of me now compared to then like my face was like just like bloated like you know just total alcohol like that's the the those are like the small things that kind of happen in the beginning of quitting where you're like oh i look better wow yeah my skin's better my you know all the things that you try and hold on to that are bonuses that you, you know, cause you miss all the things that you love about drinking. Yeah. Especially going into the holidays. Jesus. It's yeah. I don't. I, I mean, was telling someone today, if I punch my brother this year, it's because he deserves it. <laughs> 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 no, that won't be the alcohol talking. <laughs> <laughs> Your family's big. Uh, like I always think, like a big beer family too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like get out in the boat. Let's have a beer. Boat, beer. Let's get out and have a fist fight and Christmas Eve and shotgun a beer afterwards. Kind did, of. A, what did you like? 
did your parents have any idea? Everyone knew. Oh, everyone, really? everyone that's close to me that knew me. And the thing is, I was just kind of losing myself, you know, like that's when, when you see that somebody's really an alcoholic and like really going down this path, they just have lost themselves. Like they just, I'm not me, you know, like yeah. I, I, you can't have conversations with me. I, I remember we, I was, I was meant to pitch a, a TV show that four days after I went into rehab, I had meetings at ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS, all the networks to pitch a network show and with my writing partner. And they had to cancel all of those, but we had like gone, we were meeting with people. He's like, he's like, I'd already talked to Dave about your drinking because I could tell that you weren't okay. Like we weren't, we were not going to have those meetings if you didn't decide you wanted to go to rehab, we were still going to cancel them. And I just sold the show a month ago, the same exact show a year. So <laughs> just on a phone call to somebody like, Hey, you should make the show. I'm going to email it to you. And they're like, yeah, great. ABC is going to do it. I'm like, cool because sober it's just easy to do shit <laughs> for me sober it's it's i mean i i do you know i do october every year and then the fallout is that i have big chunks of sobriety throughout november december and then you know what happens to me is i start a tour up again or or in this case i'll be doing tv so I'm, i don't know if i'll be drinking but like once i go on tour that's when i feel the the wheels come off a little bit and it just and like i always gain it's weight hard not to Dude, it's, it's so hard to be on a tour bus not drinking yeah especially when you know it's like your brand is around it i've always been trying to be careful to make sure that i have somewhat of a grasp on it but i don't think i don't think there's i don't i mean i, I look i think there's some people like i, I don't you think seem there's to any make way. good choices though like, i i i'm i'm you never find yourself in almost fight when you're alone in a city right or like no. yeah I'm I'm a friendly drunk and I and I, you know, I mean, we get down to the base of it. I drink to get rid of. Sometimes I drink to get to go to sleep. Like that's I mean, basically, yeah. I'll open a bottle of wine. So I'm like, it's the end of the day. If I have a glass of wine, I'll fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Not a glass. Who has one glass? Yeah. Fucking just looking to stain. I mean, your teeth. technically, a bottle is glass. I take a bottle is a bottle is glass. Yeah. So I just have, have a glass, glass of wine. Of wine. <laughs> it's a <laughs> fucking weird shaped thick glass. But <laughs> when was the first time you went back out on the road sober? Uh, I think I went to like Peoria. Like I just said, just give me, start giving me gigs. I don't care. <laughs> and give me gigs that make me want to drink. We're yeah. Test this out. But you know, like in Peoria, I went to a, an AA meeting and it was like 70 year old men. Oh, you going to AA meetings? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. those seem fun. See, I knew I had, I knew that it was like this thing that I had. I was talking to my friend that, I mean, had a major pill like problem and by the all way this shit. i completely understand pill problems me too i, I, I went through a pill phase as well i, I get it. pills like mm -hmm. pills are no joke i say this with a bottle of fucking xanax next to me because there have been many of times and, and i think once again i go to this punitive part of my brain is i definitely had a pill problem when when i was i was i won't say we'll save names but um i was i was I had a friend and i like he had a pill problem and it kind of spilled over into me because it wasn't frowned upon because we both technically had anxiety. So, yeah. And then I just, of course, in my brain, I'm like, I'm always going to want a beer and a beer with a pill is maybe like the warmest blanket you'll ever get. And yeah. then two beers with a pill, but then Oof. six beers with a pill. And you got, I got, I can understand Radiohead songs like, mm -hmm. like mathematically. But what pill? Xanax. It was always Xanax. Oh. I had a problem with Oxycontin too. I had, yeah, I, I had a problem. That phase. I had uh, I fell off a waterfall and I couldn't, um, and I, I I almost broke my back. I thought I broke my back, but uh, 
they sent me home. I couldn't even like. So I it started with pain. Started with pain, and they prescribed me oxys, and and I was like, I took one, and I was like, nice. And then I was like, I'm gonna be careful. I'm not gonna get addicted to these. And I was in a hotel bed the next day, and I didn't take it. I didn't take it in the middle. I didn't wake up to take it, and I couldn't get out of bed, and I had to piss in the bed. I could. I was stuck in the bed, and I was like, that will never happen again. I will Dude. always be on top of my pills. And man, <laughs> cut to, cut to my wife. So you were conscious, oh, and you were just like, well. I and then I did. Uh, I ripped out my catheter in the hospital. By the way, I. Uh, <laughs> i had a condom catheter you know what those are it's, i can guess what it yeah yeah like. and i ripped it off and then um i don't remember this this is what i was told but there was somebody there that was visiting me and they said that the nurse came back in and she was like here do you want to put it back on and i was like no i mean what else you this when i'm else when else am i gonna have <laughs> <laughs> a nurse do this come on just do your damn job <laughs> oh <laughs> don't yeah. give me the option now i feel like a creep by asking you to do it i remember the first time they gave me i, was, I just told someone this i'm sure but uh I, I got after i fell off the waterfall they brought me into the emergency room and they had to roll me over on my side to get pictures of my ribs and my back and they said to me we're going to give you dilaudid i knew what that was from other than that, from johnny knoxville mm -hmm. and they're like it's basically heroin we're going to give you heroin to get and i was like hold on i was like i don't want it i got a bad brain something like that i don't want to even know what that side of the world feels like oh, yeah. and she was like honey if i don't give it to you you will be in the most excruciating pain in your life trying to get these photographs of your back i need to give it give it to you so i grabbed my phone and i was like all right well if you're gonna give it to me i'm writing a poem so i was like it's kurt cobain's favorite drug mm -hmm. so i hit voice record and it hit me my face got warm and all i could say was oh fuck Oh fuck! I'm such a meathead. <laughs> oh, the way warmth kind of blankets you. Oh, 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 but yeah, I, I mean, I get all of that. I remember I was in a pill phase where I um, <laughs> forgot my pills and my passport at home, and was on my way to I forget where, at, and I was at the airport, and I, I called my buddy, and I was like, "You need to get my pills and my passport and get them to the airport." And I was coming down off pills so bad. And I was in a line that was like waiting to rebook my ticket because I was going to miss my flight. And I was lying on the ground and in this line. And every time the line moved, I would just slide my backpack and move over more. And I remember at one point some guy was there and I was like, sir, could you get me a glass of water? <laughs> he was like, no. <laughs> sir, 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 if you could just see your way clear, one glass of water. <laughs> Maybe a cheeseburger over there. I'll, I'll spot you. Is there anything out here in the terminal? <laughs> Pills are, man, oh, they're so good. Oh, the the dirtiest deed I ever did on pills. Like the dirt, the when the one the one eyebrow razor where you're like, oh, mm. is we I got I fell off the waterfall. I came back, called the doctor in the in North Carolina and said um hey my back still hurts i need more pills no and he was problem. like he was like no problem and then my doctor here called and said hey i understand you fell off a waterfall do you need me to refill a prescription and i went yeah. of course i do my wife found out and was like i remember i was laying in bed and i rolled over to get a pill and they were gone and i looked up and she was standing there she said you're done big boy 
And I said, what? She goes, you are done. She goes, go get a prescription of marijuana. Drink your fucking face off. You are not eating pills anymore. And I was like, I was like, hold on. These are prescribed. She goes, I don't give a fuck. A She's like, you're, gonna, you're done. And we'd got, we were going camping that week. Camping, mm. sleeping on the ground. And I was like, baby, you got to give me. You got to give me like five more days of pills. Five more days. She's like, you're negotiating for drugs. You're never getting them. <sighs> and so I went and I got a prescription for marijuana. I remember going in and being like, I fell off a waterfall. And the guy's like, yeah, listen, you don't have to do that. Just tell me you have a hard time sleeping. Yeah. And I was like, no, I fell off a fucking waterfall. You would always do my trick. What's that? I just, I have anxiety that someday my back might hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and they will just write you up. <laughs> oh, that was back in the day when you had to get a prescription. But I remember we got high. I've been high in forever. I mean, I gotten high a few times, but I hadn't gotten like high by myself high. And I was in, uh, we were in Costco and I kept saying, the lighting in here is phenomenal. And I was like, and my wife's like, what? <laughs> That's what, yeah. I was like, the lighting. Do you, are you smoking cigarettes? I'm chewing. Oh. I've got one in right now. Are you serious? I just put them in and leave them. What is it, a snooze? I don't spit. Is it? <laughs> is it just dip? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm it's brutal it's what i used to do when i was younger when i because I, I like fishing and stuff i would just like live with chew in my mouth and what then i chew? quit um copenhagen oh my that is it's bad i know and i want to get into this this nicotine stuff that's not snooze it's nothing it's just straight because you know tobacco's the thing that kills us yeah nicotine can raise your heart and do all those things yeah. but that's not what's giving us cancer so i think i just need to i think it's just tough, man. I love the taste. I love, I love. I I've always said to myself in in like an OCD bet, if I ever put another dip in my mouth, I'll get mouth cancer immediately. Mm-hmm. And I've I it's been, it's been. How long was the last? The last time I chewed. See, I I I I dipped all through college. Dipped and smoked cigarettes all through college, and then quit. Quit everything. Quit drinking for like six months in uh back in, in when when i first met leanne like right around then quit drinking and i was at the right aid uh on fairfax and sunset and i saw chewing tobacco and i just as a lark like like right. uh I know that red thing. man and i went oh you know maybe i'll have a chew tonight i don't know make a cigar or chew and i was like let me get a thing of red man and i put it in my cheek and immediately the nicotine hit me and i'd never had gotten a buzz from chewing ever oh yeah ever i got in a buzz from dipping anymore, but not yeah. red man and i was back on a hundred percent i couldn't stop i couldn't stop and i kept chewing the last chew i took was um in on our, we were drove from atlanta or roughly where leanne grew up just outside leanna and bowden we drove from bowden to key west and i had a bag of chewing tobacco and on the drive i had it my heart was just racing and i wasn't enjoying it and I was like, I like how you went with Red Man too. I mean, oh, that's Golden Blend. I don't like Red Man. Oh, I love Red Man Golden Blend. Tastes so fucking good. I, yeah, the taste isn't bad, but I would always rather have snuff than have. Oh, I'm if you that if you could, up shit in my cheek. If you I, the problem with snuff for me is I cannot quit it. I once I start it, if mm-hmm. I, I I mean like I would always be like, oh, I'll just be the guy that has one dip every now and then. But the second I put it in my mouth, it's like it's like I'm home. It's like I yeah, want I, I want to tell you a time. story. I want to hear a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want people to get in a circle and have like a church it's like group me on meeting. Vicodin. God, I miss I miss tobacco. Mm-hmm. I smoke cigars. Yeah. 
But uh, you don't inhale. No, my dad inhales cigars. <laughs> really? Yeah. Holy shit! My dad smokes like backwoods. You know, like those Clint Eastwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like long. Look like they've been rolled by Jesse James. Yes. He smokes those like, I don't actually, you know, maybe he quit now. It's been a while, but um, I'll find out over the holidays. But yeah, that was his thing. And that it's just like haggard, you know? Oh my God. So we, how did your son notice? The drinking? Yeah. You know, I think I got out okay. I remember someone in rehab telling me that they're, parent their her dad was sober ever since she was five and she doesn't ever remember him drinking and that's right about when i got i got sober like right around his fifth birthday missed i was in rehab for his birthday it sucked but but it's better yeah i was like it's, it's better for other birthdays yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it makes me a better parent 100 percent oh mean, how was the amends process still in the mix of that like really yeah i'm i'm you know i'm taking it slow i'm like also, I've been like busy, like all the reasons, you know, there's some people run through the steps like quick. Other people take years. Some people never do them. Oh, really? I, I mean, not like, that's not like suggested. What's suggested is you take the steps. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, so wait, hold on. I'm trying to get them. My mind. first 12 years of sobriety, I did not take I did not do the steps. I just was sober and went to meetings because I, I liked the meetings. You know, and like the actual program of it is you know, and they talk about like all the treasures and like the things that you get. The once you go through these things, the feelings that you have, and it's so true. I mean, it's just as basic as tackling the things that you need to tackle that are in front of you. You know how you're saying, like on the way in, just being overwhelmed, too much going on. I get that way so easy in my, you know, especially when you have like a trip coming up and you're like, okay, so I've got to pack, you know, like everything that you have to do starts like hitting you. And I got to spend time with this person or else they're going to think that I'm not caring or this and that. And that's the one thing I just now I'm like, the only way out is through. It's kind of this, this idea of loving pain. Um, I just to be able to say out loud, I love pain. Just give me pain. Because if you accept that, then it doesn't hurt as much because you are saying to give, you know, like this, somebody told me this story of like this running back who wasn't the best, you know, like high school, Texas guy, like wasn't the best, wasn't the fastest, but he didn't care about pain. So the first play of every game, he took the ball and just ran it down the middle. Didn't care what happened. Didn't care if he gained, didn't care if he didn't and just got hit. And at that point on, he wasn't avoiding getting hit. He was running into it. Yeah. Whereas like everyone else is dancing around trying not to get tackled. And he's just like, yeah, fucking run into tackles, you know? And it's like that with life as far as like, once I got sober, I was like, okay, here's all the shit that I need to run into. And just, you know, the feeling when you, when you make the call that you haven't wanted to make for weeks and you're like, oh. The second you make it, you're like, why didn't I do that two fucking weeks ago? No, there's nothing better than getting something off your plate like that, especially Everything. like emotionally. I've had, I've had conversations, I've had conversations where I was sweating, in on the anticipation of the conversation. Yeah, and then you have them, and you get out, you're done. You're like, that wasn't as bad. And the amount of brain power that goes into it beforehand. Yeah, and you then you think of all these people like that enjoy confrontation, and you're like, oh. They just like getting shit off their plate. Like they just like being like, oh, I'm getting in front of this. Yeah. Well, it's also like about it's the difference between aggression and being assertive. You know, to be aggressive, it's like no compromise. This is what I want. Give it to me kind of running through. And to be assertive is to stand out and say, hey, this is what it is. I'm willing to compromise with you on it. But like, let's just figure it out. You know, Which, and do you, have you been going to therapy? Yeah. How's that? 
I mean, I've always been in and out of therapy, but for the first time I'm telling the truth, you know, I mean, I've, I've gone, I've gone from a therapist. I had a, I've had a therapist tell me that she didn't think it was working out Yeah. in the past. This older woman, it really hurt me. <laughs> it's like, I must not, but I, I don't know why, cause I was fucking lying to her. I was yeah. try, like, I was trying to make her think like, wow, look at this nice young man that comes in here. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm jerking off in the parking lot and <laughs> just watch porn all the time. Like, oh, God. which I finally got through, which I love. Like, you know, there were times in my life where it was just like that was something bogging me down. And I'm not like this anti porn guy. I love it. But um, I finally realized like, oh, man, you got to get out of your hotel room. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Nothing is going to make you happy. You are going to keep looking. There's nothing. There's no worse feeling in the world than waking up hungover watching porn jerking off and as soon as that's done like five minutes later going maybe if i jerked off today you're like i already spent it oh damn it damn it i already did that <laughs> shit i got nothing well and it's that feeling too like you know going into therapy and being like so what's your sexual life like perfect great whereas like well i watch porn every day and oh let's talk about that so you know that's just like small detail of all of the shit that i was never talking my best oh god i love this I had a therapist that was like $300 a session. Wow. And I got him from my buddy that like writes big movies. And he was like, this is the guy. He's the best, you know. He lives up in a canyon, cold water somewhere, like up there, Nichols Canyon or something. And drive in and it's this gravel driveway, huge house that he only lives in three days of the week. His whole family lives in a mansion in San Francisco. And you go down into this little area where it's like a room like this and there's the couch and there's like, you know, sand to like rake and all that shit and highlights magazines. And and every time I'd gone, it was just me. Like every time I pull in, it's no other car there. And I walk in and sure enough, the guy's there. This time I pull in and a car had pulled in right in front of me, but like 50 yards ahead of me. They park and I see a guy get out, an older man, can't really make him out. He kind of looks, clocks me a little bit. You can tell that he's like, what's this other car doing here? He walks down into the room. I park. And, oh, it's weird. It's probably just someone paying or something. I don't know. Go down and it's fucking Ray Liotta <laughs> is sitting in the waiting room for this doctor. And I'm, he's like got a pair of glasses on and he's like looking at like highlights or something. And he like looks up at me and goes back and I'm sitting there like raking like Jesus. Like, and he goes, uh, so he looks down, he sees my wedding ring. He's like, you married? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he goes, uh, "What do you do?" I'm like comedian, um, he's like, "Yeah, you know, we talk a little bit." And then he goes, "What time's your appointment?" And I said, two thirty. And he goes, "That motherfucker, he fucking double booked us." Fuck. And he goes, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do. When he walks out, I'm gonna stand up and start screaming at him, and I'm gonna walk out, and I want you to stop me at the door." And before I can even be like, what the fuck? The doctor walks out and he goes, he says, you motherfucker, you fucking double booked me for the last fucking time. And he goes to the door and I'm like, Ray, no, Ray, Ray, wait, Ray, you have the, you have the appointment. You need it more than I do. And he goes, he turns around and he goes, no, you're married. You need it. And he walked out and I look at the doctor and I was like, uh, that was all. He put that whole thing together. He was like, this happens a lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm his therapist you don't have to defend him <laughs> he doesn't really have a grip on his schedule <laughs> oh that's fucking great yeah so funny <clears throat> oh that's so awesome but just everyone's seeking therapy you know everyone's whatever and oh. i 
I, I understand people that don't go to therapy. I myself am small minded <laughs> is what I like to think. And I need, I need to say things in front of somebody in some form of accountability. Somebody that is not attached to my life that I could just be like, yeah, I had this thought where I thought I don't care if she dies. <laughs> like, honestly, I actually started thinking of the benefits of if she died. Yeah. Obviously, we're talking about my neighbor. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I can't say that to my buddy or anybody, you know, no, like I yeah. and the doctor's like, OK, well, what like what is this aggression about in, like death? And I'm like, I don't know. I just want to fucking kill her. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not and that's normal how many times have you wanted to for a yeah. second say you want to kill somebody or mm. do something or mm. have you ever wanted to fucking drive off a bridge like today i thought today for the first time ever in my entire life i was i was in a very vulnerable vulnerable moment i was showing something to leanne i needed her attention and my daughter isla this actually happened yesterday my daughter isla showed up she's painting saturn and I said, hey, what do you think? And Leanne goes, what do, you, what do you think about what she painted? And I was like, hold on. In my head, I wanted to go, well, listen, you know I'm a wreck right now. You know that I'm not doing well. You know that my brain is very fragile and I'm, I'm repeating thoughts over and over again and mm -hmm. it's making me crazy. You know that. And you know that I'm trying to hold it together and I just need your attention for two seconds. And my wife did this big dick move where she kept going, no, no. What do you think? What your daughter's holding something. Your daughter's holding, and I felt like going, that fucking Saturn doesn't pay the goddamn bills around here. So let's <laughs> fucking prioritize. And I felt like I, I I got so fucking mad that I was like, oh, if that's when you hit a woman, like that's where your brain that's where my brain went. That's why like in the in the 20s, I you go, woman, smack. But you know, I I didn't grow up like that, so I I didn't think about hitting her. But I was on today, I was like, I was still chewing up. I was like, that that one incident spun me out really bad for the day that yeah. one incident and i and it spun me out this morning i was still fucked up over that one incident and i was in spin and i that's when i thought i went i was so angry i could fucking just wanted to grab her and choke her and then i was like and then i had the thought i was like oh that's when you they would have hit women that's when yeah that's yeah. when yeah women that's when, died that's why that's when back in the day when a man would hit a woman that's when he'd do it and i was so fucking angry at her and then we're, and we're still fighting today yeah, still that, that'll today. bleed over for days. We're still fighting because I said, because she knew it. She knew that I was fragile, and she she doesn't understand uh, any sort of, my wife doesn't understand weakness very well, mm -hmm. and so like, even in her weak moments, she doesn't see them as weak moments. She finds them to be powerful because she's standing up for herself in a week a moment i don't get it she's learning yeah. yeah and so like when i say to her hey man i'm i can't stop repeating this song lyric and it's making me a little crazy and i need you to like and i i say this i say so i go i'll go hey come in the bed let's cuddle let's talk let's change get my dinner and she'll go seriously i'm so fucking busy and i felt like going hey let's hey we're you know <laughs> we're dangling by a fucking thin line here we're having a rough fucking day <laughs> <laughs> but no and it's, it's it's you know what it is too that this is what i've had to learn is because i'm i can be confrontational and i can say shit right away yeah and i've been using this this method called pause where it's just what it is it's just taking a pause it's like hearing what is being said to you knowing exactly what you want to say but knowing 
I am allowed to pause in anything. Even if you ask me right now, hey, could you do my show tomorrow at the improv? I don't have to immediately say yes, no. Yeah. I could take a pause and think, okay, what's my life like? Do I want to do that tomorrow? I don't owe anyone an answer or a response immediate. And, and I've learned to like, I've really kind of put that into everything. Like initial email response. Eh, let's check back in in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and I've even started saying people like, you know what, what you just said, I, I need some time. And why wouldn't I get it? I said today, I said today, and I, I, th I thought it was a really powerful statement. So many people are, qu are so quick to uh, send a text, send an email, something happens and they want to reply immediately. I, I had someone, some guy fucking treated me, treated me very disrespectfully when I didn't feel like he should have I felt like I'd done a lot for this guy. And he did something really like kind of fucking he I think he's going through his own problems, but yeah, we all but it, are. But but it was not at the time I wanted to deal with it. And I wrote this email and then I I I paused and I said, you know what? I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reply. I'm not I, and and I thought to myself, so often people reply, but then I, the thought I had today was they only know you're you're crazy if you talk. Like yeah. if you don't talk, then no one knows you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah, no man. one knows all of the the shit you've thought about. All the crazy shit that goes on in my head. I'm like, just don't say, just let's shut the fuck up every now and then. Well, here's something I did that changed the game for me. I so I had major mom issues, like blocked her on my phone. Like we haven't spoken for a year and a half. Really? And um, so funny. I had some major mom issues recently too. And I was suggested by somebody to write a letter from my mom to me with all of the things I wish she would say. And I did. And if it's not the most beautifully written letter I've ever seen in my life. Did you send it to her? <laughs> no, no. It's just, I, I read it. It was to me from her, you know? And it's like this thing where like now, like apologizing, breaking down the reasons, like, yeah, of course, because I did this to you and the way that I treated you like this, that's why you have a problem with this. And now you need to man up to that, you yeah. know, or in my mind, I'm like, okay, now, I, now she said, sorry, now I need to man up to this, like whatever this issue is, you know, but it was just free. It, it's like, it's like writing the email to somebody that you, that you don't send. But in this sense, it was really like good to just carefully craft all of these overwhelming feelings I have surrounding her every time I think about her. Have you always had a problem with your mom? Yeah. Really? Since birth, I think. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Mid-roll reads. Mid-roll reads. What are they? These are mid-roll reads. If you're like me, you've got lots of stuff. Lots and lots of stuff. Stuff you no longer use or maybe even never use. Stuff that doesn't spark joy in your life. Now that the New Year's here, it's time to finally deal with all that stuff. And I'm not talking about hiding in the closet. I'm talking about selling it on Mercari. You know Mercari, the selling app. The selling app that makes selling almost anything fast and easy. So here's where you begin. Go through your home and find all the stuff you didn't use in 2019. That phone in the drawer, the pair of jeans you only wore once, the handbag hiding in the back of your closet. Listing it takes just minutes. You take a few pics, add a description, and boom, your item's connected to millions of buyers on the app. Macario will even email you a shipping label when it sells. Everything ships, so there's no awkward meetup with strangers, which is great now that it's dark at night. 
The app has over 500,000 reviews on the App Store with an average rating of 4.8. So why not give it a try? Ring in the new year with less stuff in your home and more money in your pocket with Mercari. That's Mercari, M-E-R-C-A-R-I, Mercari, the selling app. This podcast is also brought to you by Blue Apron. I absolutely love Blue Apron. As a matter of fact, my wife's cooking a Blue Apron in the kitchen as we speak. Here's the question, though. Can healthy be delicious? Blue Apron thinks so. And with their new health-conscious menu featuring a range of ready-to-cook meals made with lean proteins, whole grains, minimal dairy, and flavor-packed produce, the New Year's is looking bright, and we all want to lose weight over the New Year's. Discover balance with the weekly recipes that range from grain bowls to curries to salads to stir fries. The beginning of a new year is always a great time to reevaluate your lifestyle and your eating habits. Blue Apron believes a healthy lifestyle starts with a balanced relationship with food and knowing exactly what goes into each meal because you chop it, grate it, zest it, sear it, season it, and plate it into existence. It's all done from the comfort of your own home. You know what you're putting into your body because you are making it yourself. Create a personalized plan that works for you with Blue Apron's ever-changing mix of plant-forward, vegetarian, carb-conscious, Mediterranean, diabetes-friendly, WW-approved, and 500 calories or less options. Choose from a variety of chef designs, ready-to-cook meals with perfectly portioned ingredients and lots of flavorful options all sent directly to your door. Best of all, Blue Apron helps me disconnect from my phone and connect with my family, discover my inner chef, learn new recipes, new new techniques. I've said this forever. I am closer with my family because of Blue Apron. We've got a thing we do together. So forget looking at food on social media. Connect with your family. I'm actually talking about taking time to plate my meals, put it out on the table for my family, and really enjoy it. And I remember why I love cooking because Blue Apron has exposed me to delicious recipes I wouldn't have thought to try. With Blue Apron, the hard parts are done for me. Cooking isn't a burden anymore. In fact, it's actually fun to learn new kitchen skills with each meal. Blue Apron chef design recipes include amazing specialty sauces, 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 and premium ingredients blends that Otherwise, it would be difficult, expensive, or time-consuming to source or make. So create a healthy mealtime routine that works for you in this 2020. Check out this week's menu and get $60 off when you visit blueapron.com slash BurtCast. That's blueapron.com slash BurtCast. Blue Apron. Feed your soul. I don't have, I don't have problems with my parents. Um, per se but i I will say that there are there are like like this is gonna sound really fucking crazy my dad has always been obsessed with my weight like always i mean to the point where it was like if i was he wouldn't he would never do it to my sisters but i mean i like it's it's like him looking he looks at me through this like fucking like uh, like a carnival mirror so like every time he sees me, he all he can see is fat. Is he overweight? He has been. He's not right now. Right now he's really skinny. Um, and he has been really skinny, but he's never done it. He he ran marathons his whole life. Like he was an obsessive runner, like hardcore runner. And then, you know, he gained a lot of weight in his forties. 
and he got up to like 276 is his fattest. But he'll send me texts of pictures of him when he was fat. Mm-hmm. I mean, like 276. Like now that he's lost weight, 276. Can you believe that? 276. How, what's your weight at, buddy? And then you're just like, I don't like, I don't want to do. By the way, my weight was never an issue to me my entire fucking life until other people, it was an issue with them. I was like, I can't imagine what a real fat person must feel like. Like, <laughs> yeah. like a real mess. Like what they fucking must get it from everywhere. Also, that they don't hear it on every time they post an Instagram where someone says Bert's fat or something. Oh, that's all. I mean, it's it, it, that it's so funny, but that that one inside joke that Tom and I had that became, you know, big for both of us plays so. I mean, close to the line. Oh, it's it plays so much to my sincere insecure. Like I do shit. can't believe i'm going to share this i feel like this has been a very very open freeing podcast Mm -hmm. this past christmas um i or thanksgiving i i woke up one day uh, i was feeling a little overweight and i went to hot spin and i went and i worked out i went to hot spin in the morning i didn't eat lunch i got on the treadmill and i ran five miles on the treadmill and i felt really fucking good i felt really skinny mm-hmm. and i and my dad had just gotten in town and i said to my daughters my wife i was like hey let's go over and see nana and papa and teddy and and my sisters and they were like yeah we're i don't think we want to go over tonight and i was like no 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 we're, we're, let's do it tonight i want to see them and they're like well we've got a lot of stuff we want to do i uh, maybe maybe you can just go i go no 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 let's all go over and they're like, Dad, we don't, we don't, we we're busy. And I, I can't believe I said this to my daughters, but I said, Hey, I look fucking skinny. I need my dad to see me like this so I can have a good week with him. Mm-hmm. And my daughters were like, What did you just say? And I was like, I haven't eaten all day. I've worked out twice. I look really good right now. My youngest daughter Isla is like, Dad, I can't tell the difference between when you think you're skinny and when you think you're fat. You look the exact same. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks, honey. My my wife pulled me aside. And she's like, okay. She's like, we're going over to see your dad. If that's what's going to, I mean, mm-hmm. she goes, you got to realize how fucking unhealthy that is, that you haven't eaten all day just so you can see your dad so that you can start this trip on a good foot. And I was like, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's. I remember I had a friend one time offer me a bunch of money to lose, to get to like 205 pounds. A friend, a, a, some friend. Said I'll give you a this on a text. I, I bet you this, mm-hmm. and I said no. I couldn't do it because I couldn't have with that friend what I have with my dad, and like yeah. and I I have it with Segura in bits and pieces. That to Joe. answer like 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 when they see me, it's a, a lot of people when they see me, it's about my weight first, mm. and like. It, it makes me absolutely fucking crazy at times, and I don't mind the jokes. I don't give a fuck about it. And I look I, when I. I think sometimes it's inspired me when I was 258 and Joey called me Chinese and he was like, God, Bert looks Chinese. I mean, his fucking eyes. What the fuck's wrong with Bert? Look, when Joey Diaz is saying, what the fuck's wrong with Bert? You're like, okay, Mm -hmm. maybe I should lose some fucking weight. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. What's your big, that's your top. Like 258 is when you feel like the biggest I've ever been. Yeah. 258. I'm probably two. 25 to 30 right now. That's a good way. It's, I would like to be skinnier. I'm working out, but I'm, I'm not healthy about losing weight, dude. I mean, my easiest way to lose weight ever, and don't think I wasn't contemplating it tonight, is to take a Xanax at like six o'clock and just go to bed and wake yeah. up skinny. 
It's not healthy. There's yeah. no, I haven't never learned a healthy way to avoid lose weight. food. Avoid, dude, I just, I came home the other night uh, from the store and I had a few drinks and we smoked a joint and I'm in the kitchen and I go, so the math of this is I'm hungry, but just don't eat. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. That seems healthy. Like that's what I do with chew, you know, like I, I can just not, I can put a chew in and then I won't eat for, for hours. You've never had issues with your weight. No, no, no. But I, I, since getting sober, I definitely like want to eat all the time when I was drinking. I did not want to eat really. And I saw like, if I do indulge and go two weeks with eating, yeah, that's throws on 10 pounds really fast Yeah, that I don't want, you know, unless it's muscle like Kumail. I was just about to say, <laughs> did you see the fucking hate going back and forth about that? With who? Uh, apparently the heir of Disney. No. The head of Disney, some Disney, her name, last name's Disney. Edna? Is that her name? I don't know. I, I know there's an Edna Disney, but um, but the, what was the hate? She didn't think he was hot enough? No. It It does. It is bizarre. Like, hang on. I, I googled I was like I was trying to look for the picture to show my wife and I googled Kamel today and all that came up was this Disney lady um my fucking vision has your vision gotten better since you quit drinking no Kamel looks fucking ridiculous he looks amazing I've never seen he's the best looking he is physically the best looking comic in the business yeah I mean did he get like jawline implants or something I mean it he really his whole fucking, body is there's no better, I mean, what's crazy is, I mean, he's he's bigger and more ripped than Rogan, than Dane, at Dane's height. Like, when Dane was, like, going out for action stars, Dane, like, Chris D'Elia, D'Elia works out. Like, all these guys that work out mm-hmm. and, and have aspired action stars, Kumail did it. Like, he fucking did it. Well, he did it with a lot of help, like he said in that, which I really appreciated about that post, because... Disney heiress slams... Uh, Kumail Nanjiani for his thirsty Instagram photo. What'd she say? Oh, apparently she slammed him and then she read what he wrote. Like she was like, first of all, this is, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to really butcher this, but she was like, seriously, this is just so wrong. Like that the amount of narcissism that goes into getting your body to look like that. And then Kumail addressed that in his thing. It was like, obviously there's been a lot of this hasn't been healthy. I've been doing this for a year. I've been obsessed about what I eat and working out. Like, He's got like, but also like, I mean, think about how much money it costs to have that that body because he talks about the trainers and I know it. I mean, I've like Chris Pratt, like when he, I have the same agents and they told me what that was like. And I mean, I have agents that are like, you should really like bulk up. And I'm like, no, I want to yeah. look like Sean Connery, James Bond. Like, yeah. I want to look like a man. I yeah. don't want to look like a guy at a bar or at a gym. I want to just look like a man. And that's going to be better than like looking like Chris Hemsworth, whatever. Yeah, you know who, by the way, Kumail's bigger than Chris Hemsworth. That's apparently. crazy. Like they side-by-side pictures, Kumail's bigger than Chris Hemsworth. I mean, yeah, I love muscles, but I... I mean, I what kind of shit do you think I don't think love this, that life. What kind of shit do you think this, this tech... Uh, this tech support guy is going to get into in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess he's probably trans, you know, lifting a lot of computers. And- <laughs> yeah, he's like, I got this, and he rips a computer out of the wall. I'll be back in a week. 
Like, I, what is the parties playing? But see, it's okay. So like, this is this actually goes to my theory of how I wanted to look. So when I got sober, I was like, listen, I want to be healthy and I want to be sexy and I want to feel good. Yeah. I saw somebody and I just walked up to him. I just, I wanted his body. He just looked fucking great. He looked great. And I said, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I climb. He's like, actually this gym, I climb and there's a, they have a gym there and I Climbers do some stuff. Great fucking so now I climb. For real? Yeah. And it's like, if you want, so like if you, if somebody, if you run into Kamel and you're like, how'd you get that body? Oh, a movie studio paid 40 grand for a trainer to work with me. And I have a nutritionist and like, cause that's not a body you just get by you, committing no. to working out and running every day. No. Like that's, and, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on it at all. I, oh, think I can't it's, shit I mean, on it. I, it's I would amazing. love to look it's like beautiful. that once. Yeah. It'll never happen, but I would love to, he's got to feel phenomenal i know i want i was trying to think like what does he feel like when he feels his body like because i know it's been a lot of pain Probably there's revenge. a lot of pain that goes into Probably that all the fucking hatred that people shouted at a pakistani kid in middle yeah. grade middle school i mean it must feel good to look in the mirror right i wonder if he sees his enemies like you know because I, I mean that guy yeah, like that guy that that guy that looks like him wasn't nice to him that was the fucking meathead that was the meathead in high school fucking was didn't look at the fucking outsider comic. Yeah, like he, he's looking in. The, he's looking in the mirror, seeing his enemies of all. That's a Jersey Shore body. That's a Jersey Shore real world body. That's beyond. Oh, a, a hardcore. And those guys don't have his amount of empathy and like the, that guy. I started breaking down the body too. Like I zoomed in on the shoulders. I, I zoomed like, in on the arms. Every the veins muscle. in the fucking arms are. <laughs> I don't have veins like that in my cock. Every muscle is has been worked right. You know, it's like yeah. somebody has been specific about he looks this. So, I want to you see his do legs. this lift two inches high and back down from this part of your stomach. That works out this one fucking muscle. Yeah. And we're going to do that twice a week. You know, like talk about commitment. I mean, it's so funny. It's like, you know that, I mean, not to, not to, I'm sure Kumail will be like, I think you're way overthinking this, but you know, him and his wife don't have gym rat no relationship Camille's like a video like, game yeah they're like two like not i'm not i'm not saying nerds but they're like two like homebodies like two like fucking outsiders i keep saying outsider but they're not gym rats they're not like yo pass me the creatine you know they're like but kumail's very humble too i mean i and i've kind of yeah. forgotten about it because i you know we all get busy and stand up and i feel like you probably see because you do that cooking thing and you probably see comedians more than i do um but I used to all the time. I mean, I was yeah. like, and I, rem I hadn't been around Kumail in a while and I did a show with him. I, I like opened a show for him in, in at the Toronto Fest or something and like a big, big room. And he was nervous and he was like, I don't know, man, you're going to kill. I he's like, I don't do stand up that much lately. It's been so long. I don't even know. Like just his humility and like the fact that he wasn't like jerking off to like, look at all those fucking people that are here to see me. I'll just say whatever I want and they're going to like it. You no, know, he was back there genuinely concerned and feeling insecure about his prep. And I was just like, man, what, that's when I like to see my friends that got successful that yeah, stay that way and are nice and, and, and human and you know, like, I don't know because I've seen a lot of it go the other way, I've and then you you see them the all way. come back down. I've seen it go the other way with myself. I've seen myself do it, and yeah. that that's like the most frustrating thing for me is that when you do when I, and this is like if you know if we're talking about like 
to go not to go back to alcohol alcohol we're going to talk about the one thing that alcohol has done for me sometimes that i really hate what it does is it starts really like strangling my ego or my self-esteem and i say shit that i wouldn't normally say to protect myself to people that aren't attacking me yeah. you know and it's and then you see someone like kumail who really is humble as shit and you're like mm-hmm. fuck i bet he had to fucking i bet he i bet he toiled over posting that picture because he was like i you gotta do it yeah you gotta do it i mean i think chris pratt put the exact picture out when he had gone because i mean think about what he was like he was beyond what kumail kumail was just normal yeah actually i would argue kumail has always been fairly uh muscular like he was he's not He's always had a man's body. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's never, you know, like Chris Pratt had, was like kind of pudgy. Who would you love to see? Who would you love to see? Com- top five comics you'd love to see go through that exact same transformation and then just be ripped on the other side. Zach Galifianakis would be fucking hilarious. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that did lose a lot of weight. I he mean, just quit drinking. Yeah, he quit drinking. But, you know, like that was a pretty drastic like look. And I think that also now he's kind of back to more of a normal yeah wait but uh i'm trying to think like who would i really want to see commit man i feel like everybody's trying to do that right now yeah everybody's like santino he i mean that guy's like ripped theo works out like crazy there's a lot of a lot of guys are i think it's been a little bit of the influence of having joe around so much i'd like to see moshe cash oh yeah i'd like to see him just like fully he's my neighbor i would love to you know i'd really? just be able to love to look over the fence and see a hard body Moshe over there was lighting up kumail a little bit i saw that I yeah it yeah great. it was really funny I, thought, I i don't know kumail like that like i i do know him well enough to like text him congratulations and stuff and talk to him when i see him but and i've had him on the podcast but I don't know him enough to light him up online. Mm-hmm. So, but and I wanted to so bad. I wanted to drop that tech support joke online. <laughs> but it's funny, man. What like, is the party's playing? Do you know? And it's so funny that one of our like, you know, my friend posted an image of his body and it became a trending topic on Twitter. So that's that's kind of weird to me. Dude, at the lightest I was, I was in my two. I was like probably probably two probably two twenty. But I looked really good, and I texted a picture in this great lighting. There's great lighting. I texted a Rogan, Tom, and Ari, and Rogan tweeted it. And all of a sudden, I had an extra fifteen thousand followers. And I was like, "Huh?" Then your brain starts going, "Let's stop eating altogether, Bert, and really see if we can blow this thing out of the water." <laughs> as if the weight loss is what they were like. Yeah, look at this guy's hard body. <laughs> yeah, as if anyone's like, "That's why I want to follow." So then, do, what's your like? Do you have rituals for how the night goes? Like, or do you like go like after this, like you're going to go do spots? Do you go home? Do you? I don't, I haven't been doing as many spots around town. Um, I mean, do you? Yeah. Lately I have to write a new hour by January 30th. Yeah. I mean, the, so. the store doesn't put me up. Really? Yeah. So I don't really like, and I tried actually, I, I emailed Adam yeah. and uh, he wrote back like, Hey buddy, love you. Everyone loves you, but we just don't have any room. He said that to me. And I was like, well, if I was more famous, you'd have room. So we'll just wait till I get more famous. That's that's what happened to me. Yeah. I was, he, when I first started hanging out there, I was friends with everyone and Burr and Al Madrigal went over to him and said, hey, you got to get Burr in. And he's, and it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, finally, I'll get in and work here. Yeah. Bill Burr is is saying, hey, you got to get Burr in. Mm -hmm. And he just looked at me dead serious. He's like, nope. He's like, I can't. 
I know it's and it's and, this thing too where you separate like he's not being mean. He's not being mean at all. He's just like he said. I I think if I remember correctly, he said, "Hey, I'm still trying to get David Spade in." So like he's like, I have a long list of people that have been trying to get into the store that want to get into the store, and I still have a lot of people that are regulars that I can't just phase out overnight. Yeah. That and he goes, it's just gonna, it's a long process. I know, and I said back to him like, well, hey, just so you know, I'm not gonna stop trying. That's and that's what I said to him. Yeah, and it, and he was like, great. And then one I don't day know he came how up. to try though. Like I no you know. no I don't think you. I think I I didn't. I said just so you know, I'm not gonna stop wanting to be here in at the store so mm-hmm. i'm like i'm not gonna hound you or anything but i'm gonna I'm, I'm definitely want and then he just came up to me one day and he was like hey uh i've got room you're past and i was like oh fuck yeah see i i did i met a i was at like the cluster fest or whatever yeah and this guy walked up to me and he said i guess he's the owner i don't know who owns the laugh Act or the comedy store anymore i can't remember if this guy was the think, owner or know. who he was but he said something like i'm an owner and he said comedy store and i go oh do you wait the seller and he goes no the comedy store and i go oh that's right the seller is the club that puts me up <laughs> the hardest club to get into in the country is yeah. the one that gives me 12 sets a weekend if i email them yeah also that's because i'm from la and they don't get like you know they always give guys from la more spots when they come in but like i can't get one set at the com i can get into any comedy club in this country i know except for ones that are the helium clubs because I, I, I drunkenly talk major shit about mark on this pot on your podcast i think oh for real yeah <laughs> oh well <laughs> oh mark lighten i think up. i tried to apologize even though i you know it's this weird thing where i don't feel like i need to apologize because i feel like it's kind of we both fucked up yeah i i know? think i, I, I shouldn't th- have said shit he should have also treated the situation a little better. You know, we both fucked up. Maybe we should both apologize to each other. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just takes the first person to open their arms. <laughs> I tried to be the first guy, you know, like, which yeah. is funny. But he said he, st- he went back to my agent like, nope. he talked bad about me on Bert's podcast. On Bert's <laughs> podcast. Fuck. Now I got. By the way, I'm gonna, I can't wait to go back and rewatch that last podcast. <laughs> the last one I did, I think, was me and Brendan. And I oh, think I got yeah. blackout. I don't remember it very well. Really, I don't remember it. So Was I'm, Brendan I'm glad you're. Yeah, I'm really glad your 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 audience will finally hear me sober. Oh, they're gonna be like, uh, I. The thing about the thing I think that's cool about podcasts, and the thing that I think is very very cool about this one, is you know, if anything, this whole weight loss journey of of mine has been inspiring to a lot of people that it, I did not intend it to be. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people going through a lot of the problems. I think there's a lot of people that are addicted to pills and alcohol listening to this right now going like fuck man i gotta get my shit together like how do i i want to be happy i want to be on the other side of that fence yeah and i think it happens a lot i know for a fact the reason we do sober october is because so many people hit us up november 1st that some people come to our shows and go hey man i've been off oxys for 15 days now and you're like huh and like i have never had this much sobriety in my life how do you think how many people do you think join you with that i couldn't even i couldn't even begin to speculate i mean you know Mm -hmm. rogan's out outreach is so aggressive that i would say i mean if maybe i'd be fair maybe five percent of the people yeah which would still be a dick load of fucking people Mm -hmm. i get a lot of people that come to my shows all during sober october all did it a lot of people a lot of people fell off sober october at my show they're like, I was with you, and then you came, and I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to not drink at your <laughs> show. And I was like, I'll give you that one. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, the thing is, is like cheating, you know, I mean, for me, there's no cheating because cheating would, if I were to have like a cheat day yeah. <laughs> with alcohol would not end well. I don't, I, don't, I can't, <clears throat> I've gotten better about, I used to be, I used to be like hundred percent on hundred percent off. Mm-hmm. So like I could go big stretches of drinking, but if I started drinking, I was probably going to go for a while, a chunk where it was going to, you know, wine at night or, you know, drinking on flights. This last sober October changed me in that I got back and I was like, I was like, oh, I'm good. I don't need to. I don't want to drink during the weekdays. I want to kind of have my shit together mm-hmm. and uh, and get shit done. And I think it was also because I was so busy. And then I was like, yeah, and I kind of want to like leading up to special. I don't want to drink before the special too much. So I'll, I'll do it on the a couple weekdays, weekends, but I'm not doing it during the weekdays. And then I didn't drink for like two weeks leading up to the special. And then I got off and I was like, I deserve a little bender. And and See, now, but how do you feel though about that? Because I when i was when i taped my last special i was like all right i should like straighten up and i was like wait why would i live any differently than i'm living to film this thing that i've been doing maybe yeah. i should just be a little more you know responsible and not like go overboard but i, did, I can't I, yeah. change my lifestyle too much because then i won't be putting out my product is what i in my mind i definitely had that in my head i definitely thought should i drink but the here's a hardcore secret time the month leading up, I, t- I did three months straight of touring before I shot my special. S- September, October, November. Mm-hmm. September, I was drinking, uh, and I was drinking on the road, uh, not so much on stage, but on the road. And I started having panic attacks on stage, of just these weird, like just weird hiccups. And I wasn't being able to write on stage, and I wasn't liking it. And I thought, fuck. And then I quit drinking in October, and I was on stage. I did maybe like 40, 50 shows in October mm. and all the panic attacks went away. And I yeah. started really loving being on stage and writing and without drinking. And so I said, I'm done. I'm done with drinking on stage. I'm not, I'm not going back to it. I don't want to be there because I was having like, I was having weird panics that I, I like, and that was fucking up the timing of my jokes. But at least it's not like, like the Huffington Post emailing you the next day, like, hey, we want to talk to you about your show last night and something you said. Like, you're not saying things. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going off script too far, but like. That's, that happened to me. Did that happen to you? Yeah. With the Huffington Post? Yeah. Wait, what did you say? I'm not even going to touch it. For real? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was at Montreal, though, and I regret it for sure. Really? Yeah. Um, and people saw it. And I guess the funny thing, this is how like, like did, it, did they write an article about no, it? No, they never. No one ever did. Um, like Eric Andre, like this is how you know what you did. <laughs> and I, I love Eric. But he came up to me. He's like, hey, man, I heard about that thing you did in Montreal, dude. That's so fucking punk rock, dude. And I'm like, what? And he's like, dude, it's fucking amazing. And I'm like, and then Jesselnik, same thing. Ran another place. And I was like, okay. Maybe those are the two guys I don't want approving of something I've done <laughs> in general to what my brand and my message is or me as a human. Not that I think those guys like those guys are just those guys are punk like oh fuck yeah fucking hardcore shit. Especially Eric. I mean, there's nothing between the lines there. I mean, it's there's just nothing corporate about that guy at all. No, he's such an interesting fucking guy. Yeah, we were me and I want to say me and Skura were on a flight with him back to we. Oh no! It was me and Ari. Me and Ari were on a on a van ride in, from Montreal back to the airport, and then we hung out at the airport and had breakfast together. And just the way his brain thinks is just very—I want to say it's it's 
it's the way I would love for my brain to be like that. Like I said something about you have a girlfriend. He's like, no, I don't believe in, you know, those traditional commitment roles. You know, I just like to be with other people. And if they want to be with other people, cool. And you knew he meant it. And I was like, how the fuck do you do that? Weird. Yeah. And he was like, you know. Yeah. And yeah, he's, I mean, one time I was walking like in like the lower East side and there was like some kind of a small production and there was a van with a door open and I walked by the van and it was Eric dressed as a vagina with like lobster claws. Jesus. I was like, of course, man. Yeah. What's up? I wish I had more of his brain because he has his brain is so much like, you know, if like someone threw gave him a million dollars, say, we want to make a show with you. It's whatever you want. He'd go, oh, I've been waiting for this. Yeah. Like that's the way his brain works. Mm-hmm. When I get that, it's sometimes I'm just like, hold on. Well, what do you want? Like, why don't you give me some direction? Yeah. I don't want to piss anyone off. Yeah. And he also this you know he he i don't know like his the, his show is great you know like the eric andre show dick. is so he's funny. got such a big dick flaccid flaccid yeah i've never seen it hard yeah it's probably same same it's you know it's about the same <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, i don't want eric to ever know anything i do stand up wise i'd like to stay out of his radar because if he's watching anything i do that's not good news for the b-man <laughs> if eric yeah. andre's texting me like, and i hey, told you did i'm like <laughs> i know i i went i mean and i did a little bit of an apology to her about that thing or at least like the feel out like i you know feeling people out like like is like chelsea Pritt, like just certain people had heard about it and i kept hearing from other people like oh so-and-so told me and i'm like why does that person know yeah this is crazy God, I want to wrap up this podcast now until I find out what it is. <laughs> You're going to love it. No, I don't want to talk about Mitch Hedberg at all. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I just played Mitch Hedberg for my daughters the other day. Yeah. And it was interesting. There are two responses. Isla was doubled over laughing. Like, mm-hmm. thought it was the funny. And Isla's the, the, more of the weird daughter of mine. And Georgia just was like, so he's a drug addict? And I was like, well, I think you're whittling it down a little bit much. And she was like, well, no, is 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 he still on drugs? Like it was, he died from an overdose. And she's like, so this isn't funny at all. And I was like, well, no. And I was fucking pissing herself, Mitch all together. And, and, but it's funny to see the two different, I want to, I want to do that. I I wish I were a little older. I'd like to hear Georgia with Dave Attell. Cause I think she will like Dave Attell. Oh man. I saw Attell recently in New York. (sighs) By the way, I will, I could sit and talk to anyone for any length of time if they just said i just saw a tell end because you know that we just shared jokes we were i was just somewhere we were sharing i was with bill we were sharing our favorite uh uh, tell jokes who told the one were you here when someone just told an tell joke the other day apparently there were a bunch of maybe this is one bill told me there were a bunch of disgruntled latino girls in the front row and they weren't laughing at anything and everyone was having a hard time with them everyone and it tell goes up and goes, oh, why so grumpy? Did Selena die again? <laughs> <laughs> he said a joke. This I don't remember. I mean, I'm so bad at recall for much. But he said he told the joke. And then afterwards, you know how he'll get the audience going like. And he's just kind of going and going, like yeah. shitting on the audience. Also, like trying to, you know, whatever. But he said a joke and he goes, ooh, that one just activated my Bell's palsy. <laughs> i thought what the fuck man he is God, so good so i Burn, mean i just talked about impossible him to not want to watch when he's on stage i wonder when i'm gonna quit drinking like i look at like you and burr seem to be so fucking happy on the other side of the fence and i and i do 
enjoy not drinking a lot. Yeah. Like, but here's the thing is it, it when the real joy comes when you when you actually have like I know I'm done and so I'm doing the work to like everything that I was drinking to stop or everything that I was using drinking for or everything that drinking kind of ruined now I have a chance to not like do that you know like respect even what I said about the holidays like I know that I'm going home and I'm not going to fuck up. I'm not going to do something really fucking dumb. I'm not going to piss in my mother-in-law's bedroom. I'm not going to do multiple things that I've done. I mean, th this is one of my, I was remembering this the other day in hotels. I had to start in towards the end of my run. I had to start putting my, all of my things on the highest shelf possible because I was just starting to piss in hotels every night, really different parts of the room on my bag sometimes that's why i had to like fucking like i've had to rush to an airport with a bag that's like just smells like piss <laughs> fuck it's crazy too the, what's crazy is you said that your doctor was like wait so how's your lyme's disease oh done good yeah you're good i caught it early enough and we've aggressively went at it and i don't if i got if i didn't get sober i wouldn't have gotten rid of it because getting sober made the actual antibiotics work oh because you had to quit drinking to make and get on antibiotics i was on antibiotics before that but oh, that's drinking work. just throws that out the window yeah that's fucking crazy mm -hmm. yeah did um the bird's not doing any of the work he just got sober yeah <laughs> i don't think bird drank though Burr's never been a drinker. He's never looked like, yeah. He's never gotten out of control. And he says he has. And I think, mm -hmm. I think you know, I think there's times where he, I think he didn't like the way he was drinking, but it's never been like a problem. Yeah. I, and and I've, I've drank with him. He's a, you know, he wasn't a guy that, although, although I remember me and Tom and Bird did a podcast in here. And he goes, and it's one of those things, like, I don't really... I don't really think of drinking as much as some people, but I remember I was definitely not going to drink. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I wasn't going to drink. And they're driving home. And Burr goes, uh, how about a little shot, you know? And the, we're at the end of the podcast. I'm like, mm -hmm. why would we start drinking now? He's like, one shot. And Tom goes, well, wait, we got to drive. He goes, yeah, I'll make the drive home interesting. huh?" And you just to, like to see that in his eye, you go, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. But, uh, but yeah, he doesn't. That's like me walking in saying, can I just take a pull off this thing? <laughs> I'll never forget that as long as I live. Cause I remember going like, it's, it's weird. I think you, I'm, I wonder if you did this, but I think people who drink always look at the other people who drink harder or worse and go, that's my canary in the mine. Yeah. Hey, at least that's not me. Yeah. And then, and, but I always look at my canaries and go, like oh, i could steal from them that's not a bad idea like oh, okay like yeah well it got to me like like my canary was nick cage and whatever that fucking move lost leaving las vegas oh. or whatever that movie is that's how bad i was you know i was i'm so glad you're sober someone told me you quit drinking and i was like i was like oh that stinks we lost another one and then <laughs> and then oh, someone was like was telling me like no 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 it wasn't good i was like mm -hmm. really and they're like no it was not good like he had to quit and i went what do you mean had to quit like court and pose and they're like no trust me he was gonna die if he didn't quit and i went no you're thinking of the wrong guy i heard that about another guy recently oh um, yeah yeah and we'll talk we'll talk about it off air obviously but uh and you always hear that and you're like shut the fuck up but it's you know 
thank God I figured it out because it's, I mean, my, you can just see for me, and this isn't for everybody, but everything's better. Just literally everything's better. Yeah. My career is better. I've, I haven't stopped working You've since I got worked. sober. You've always worked. Yeah, always. But it was starting to peter out, you know? Really? Because I wasn't able to go to auditions anymore. I wasn't able to do, to do things because... You're such a good actor, too. I was drunk. Like you're a great comedian. You're a great comedian. I think that's. I think that people Thank sleep you. on how good of a comedian you are. I think one of your lines, fucking once a week, I think of one of your lines. Yeah. Sir, if you have cocaine or marijuana on you, you are in deep <laughs> shit. And all I thought to myself is, what if I have both? It's <laughs> <laughs> a great fucking line. I think of that all the time. I look for lines like that in my in my act. There, like a that, good line. Yeah, yeah. That line came out on that line just came out one time on that on that taping of that thing. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember right when I said it, I was like, that's a fucking keeper. That's a great, great, great uh, line. When you get a line like that on a TV taping too, it feels good. Yeah. Because I was like starving. Somebody had just bombed so hard in front of me, they had to retape their thing with a different oh, audience. For real? <laughs> yes. And so the audience- I think I was, was at your taping. I think I was at brutal. your taping. Yeah. I'm not going to say who it was, but- uh, Stanhope has a line I think about, I think about once a week that he said on that taping. Stanhope says, uh, I was dating this chick. He was dating the chick from Saved by the Bell. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, and she cheated on me. Now, legally, I can't say his name, but I can tell you what he does for a living. He's the Prince of Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> legally, I can't say his name. That's a great I can, living. I can tell you what he does for a living. He's mm-hmm. the Prince of Monaco. <laughs> that's, it, that's great. That's a good job. How often do you go rock climbing? Four times a week, three, four times a week. Have you gone like legit, like climbing like no, big just in the training? gym, just, in, just the gym? in the gym. Do you have yeah. any interest in going in big boulders? I do. I mean, I would love to. I, There's a I, great one in. I love in camping and I love taking my son, you know, especially into mountain type stuff. So your dad, your dad works. You've stepped your dad game up. I will. I will say that. Oh yeah, like seeing you with your son. I, I said this at the beginning, but it's just. It's like, as especially as an older father, like one who's got my kids are at an age where it's hard to get them to do things with me now. Um, the time I get to spend with them is when I pick them up from school or drive them to school. Yeah, like that they don't want to go fucking. Like I, I wanted to go to, I had to go to Staples today, and I was just trying to get Isla to go to Staples with me. It was like pulling fucking teeth, and I was like, "Well, stop by Menchie's." She's like, "Okay, fine." <laughs> but like seeing you with your son, I go, "Oh," and I know, I knew you, I know you weren't drinking. So I go, oh, he's like going to a Dodgers game with them. Like you guys have a fucking blast. Yeah. My son's been to two World Series games, which I think like, I mean, I wish I had been to World Series games. Yeah. But yeah, I try to. I mean, I really try. But also, that's a, it's just like, I, I don't know if I'll ever be as good as what my dad was. You know, like that. I think that is like my thing that I'm chasing. Like, yeah, I do all these activities with him, but my dad didn't really get to do activities with me because he worked way more yeah. of a regular job. But for some reason, he's like regarded as a hero in my life. Hey, when did, oh, by the way, I want to, it's, I just had a spiritual healer come to our new house. She to clean cleanse the house, and then she's like, "I see some dark matter on you," and I was like, "Oh fuck, of course." Good God, yeah. And so then, Thanks, she, by the way, yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, at, at one hundred fifty bucks a pop, I bet you find dark matter on anyone that you haven't fucking cleansed. <laughs> but one of the things she said was, "You have tremendous guilt about not being around," and I was like, "I was like, you could have Googled me and found that out." Yeah, 
but I doubt she uses Google. I really doubt it because she uses a Microsoft Surface. <laughs> so she legit <laughs> does her healing on a Microsoft Surface. Wow. It's really bizarre. How does she she uh takes this she takes the Microsoft Surface and it's got like a looks like a constellation like almost like a astrological chart on it type thing and she spins this little uh like uh gem connected by a chain and then when it the way whatever way she it spins she taps that way and that expands she taps oh. another way and that expands and then she can read it that way really interesting she was extremely accurate like i, I mean, thought you were gonna say hot nope <laughs> she was nope. extremely accurate she was very accurate and she was like <laughs> you have a real guilt about being away from your mm-hmm. kids and i said yeah and she goes and that's not from you that's that's ancestral like that goes back to your ancestors and she's she's like you gotta get rid of it because you're a good dad i was like i was like no i'm not she goes no you gotta stop saying that she goes your dad wasn't as good as you thought he was you think your dad was a better dad you're putting on a pedestal is not exactly what she said but when you said that that's technically what she said to me and i thought i've always put my dad on a pedestal he coached every single one of my fucking games went to every one of my practices literally I mean, I, like just Saturday morning, he'd be like, hey, let's go to the sporting goods store. And we'd just get up and drive out. I mean, I just a great, great, great dad. I mean, yeah. never, never, I mean, spanked me a couple times, but never like hit me as an adult. Never uh, didn't it really get me introduced to alcohol. Like he wasn't like one of those like, hey, Jordan, come drink with me. He had boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like I could smoke a cigar with him. And when I was 18, that was, but I had to be 18. Like a really great dad, and I always feel like I've dropped the ball on my daughters. I've just fucked same, it up. Same thing with me about the like boundaries, good, clean. Yeah, yeah. I you know, but like I also know your daughters though are at the age. I I, I don't know from experience, but like my son right now is like now going through a mom thing where uh-huh. like he wants his mom a lot. I don't know what she's feeding him. I don't know if she's got some sort of a drug regimen with him or not. But like he'll be like, hey, when am I going to see mom? And I'm like who cares man you're with me yeah <laughs> we'll Come figure on, that man. out Drink later carpe diem <laughs> but you know i was talking to somebody like yeah kids go through phases where their dad their mom they want this they want that you oh know. i went through a phase with my daughters that was really bad where when they started developing and you know getting their periods and getting boobs and getting pubic hair or i guess i didn't see it but mm-hmm. i'm guessing that was what was happening where they really wanted to distance themselves from me do like, pubes run in your family yeah we all got them <laughs> <laughs> Leanne's got straight pubes. And oh, so, yeah, I know. Right? Kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Leanne's like, why would you share that in the, like, what, what the <laughs> fuck does that have to do with anything? But uh, they started distancing themselves from me and they just wanted distance. They didn't like, I couldn't, I was like their best buddy one day where they'd jump mm-hmm. on my lap and we'd snuggle. And then one day they were like, oh, don't touch me. Like, mm-hmm. and my wife's like, well, you got, you know, you got to understand, don't touch them if they don't want you to touch them. I was like, they're my fucking daughters. I'm going to grab them if I want to grab them. Not grab them in the ass or anything, but come up behind them and give them a hug or, you know, yeah. just, I'm going to love on them. And my wife's like, you can't. They're turning into women. You got to let them have space. And I literally said to my wife, I always thought this could be a bit, but I don't know how to say it right. But I always said, so I got to pretend to be just not that into them. And my wife's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> She's like, you're not breaking up with them. You're not trying to get the win <laughs> them yeah, back. You're, playing, you're not playing dating games. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not, I was like, and so I just, I literally started playing hard to get where I'd be like. So you mean like after we hang out, I don't call him for like three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke. Yeah. That's the joke. 
<laughs> Text yeah. Isla, hey, what does Georgia think about me? <laughs> oh, yeah, but uh, it's it was really it it was really tough, and now they're getting back to the place where they are, are finding me fun. I guess I I get, I don't, but it just recently, our family's in a really good place. Like we're all mm-hmm. very 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 dialed in to each other, but but yeah, there was they they but we just had a conversation the other day because no one uh, hugs me. So like everyone fucking hugs each other and gets on the couch and all three of them will lay on the couch and snuggle together and then I'm just off by some sore dick in the corner like <laughs> I just I'll just pay for all this <laughs> and so I threw a temper tantrum I was like I was like yo like you guys can hug me and shit like and they were, and Isla was like I don't like it and I was like I don't give a fuck I, yeah. didn't, I didn't I didn't like kissing my dad on the lips but I Gratitude. did until I was eighteen oh fucking, god I had to kiss my dad not on the lips but on the cheek every night when i came home to bed and i still i i want to say i kissed my dad on the lips way longer than you should have but i had to kiss my dad on the cheek every night when i got home you to think it's just because he wanted to smell your breath he wanted to smell if i had alcohol or drugs yeah. on me <laughs> hey buddy i need a kiss and i go oh, oh jesus fuck. and he goes "Ooh, a lot of clone tonight huh i was like yeah hanging out with some chicks <laughs> yeah that's fucking crazy so but uh so when do you go back for holidays next week and then i come back and then i'm on the i'm doing like a two-week tour are you by yourself or are you bringing your kid on the tour no no no, no the, holidays, the holidays yeah up there yeah how's everything are you still not with uh are you with the missus no no but that's all figuring it out yeah <laughs> i fucking love you nick i really do i'm so glad you're happy man oh yeah i'm so glad you're happy never nick. been happier it's it, it's it's a weird you know, once you've, I've had enough. I ran into Hannibal who hasn't been drinking and, and he was like, we did it, man. I'm like, yeah, we did. Right. We really yeah. did it. We made it. I saw, hung out with Hannibal. I hung out with Hannibal a few, a couple of years ago. It's gotta be a couple of years ago. I was at Madison on state and he was doing the theater next door. He had a tour bus and I was, I was partying and I was like, Hey, let's get drinks. He's like, yeah, I quit drinking. I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. He's like, let's just when you get done let's just hang out like we don't have to go to a bar let's just hang out come to my tour bus so we just went to his tour bus and just kind of talked and i had a couple beers and i think i think he maybe ate an edible or something but like Mm -hmm. we just talked and it was like he was broke it down he's like yeah i guess it his life had just become unmanageable with it yeah and he was like i'm i just he's like fuck it it's not worth it Mm -hmm. and i was like wow sometimes i wish that happened to me with like i i i think i'm in the fucking i'm like i'm like uh, in love with someone who doesn't love me but they don't treat me too bad yeah yeah and it's not necessarily you're not you're not seeing negative i mean you're you're doing the best you've ever done on yeah. the road on as far as work goes so it's not hindering that it's not it hasn't changed your your drive to do shit i mean you've always had that i mean yeah but i think i think also the fact like, that you have people helping with your podcast now i mean it's just like <laughs> you and a zoom and then we <laughs> yeah yeah oh for real wait the last one we did was right before you came mm-hmm. oh yeah but i got video of it don't i yeah but you would like yeah. have everything set up and you'd be like i gotta send this to a guy you know or i don't know i did it myself back then yeah i think yeah i did it all myself oh and then I'd have like backlogs of like twenty videos. I was like, "Oh, Halston, I've got fucking twenty videos." Can you? Yeah, I remember you up? like had stuff. Like you were like, "Oh, it's moving slow." I'm like, how much? 
was he he doing oh i was i i this podcast has become doable i couldn't i wouldn't have been able to continue it without halston because that was just mm -hmm. so much on my plate and then things kind of like got a little out of control with the touring and i was like i was like i just would have quit it i would have quit the podcast altogether and this podcast this podcast makes more than i ever made on television so i'm like fuck i'm so glad i didn't quit it yeah now i have two more podcasts one with bill and one with tom yeah and i'm like i feel like i, I feel like I feel like if you don't get out of the box, it's something you've done always so well is you've done things like, like movies that I didn't even know, like no one even no one even knew you were shooting, mm -hmm. like the one where the with with the all the built all the boxes, and yeah, built yeah. the fort, like like you've always been able to do things outside of your comfort zone, and do the things inside. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which I feel like I get too dialed into my comfort zone of like something's burning, uh, fucking. Uh, uh podcast 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 stand up that's it that's it i'm done i'm done yeah but see for it the, the way that i treat like that movie like that movie was my agent calling me and saying like hey you meet with these directors and i did and they're like it's gonna take a month work every day i'm like well fuck it one month who cares i don't think i'm capable of acting like what you guys want but let's just see what happens and then just walking into it and yeah, i've done great. that with every acting gig where i just shot this hbo thing in new york for three weeks with uh, with uh anna kendrick and it was just like overwhelming because she's a ridiculously good actress she's a really good actress i mean i anna i felt kendrick, like i saw anna acting kendrick for the first time in next person. fucking level yeah i mean her i think they're what are they target commercials she's got like a target commercial oh, yeah new ones that she's amazon got. commercial or something that's mm -hmm. fucking amazing like those are amazing she acts amazing in that well i went when i sh they flew me out to just read with her like during her lunch break and after one take i thought like oh fuck that's what acting is like whatever i had planned to do or had gone in like thinking i she forced me to be so natural and do my own different thing and i told her that like when i got back i was like when i got the job i said i don't know what whatever you did that first time we read to each other has changed my and she's like she's like what do you mean you're a great actor and i'm like what no <laughs> she she's is like you so listen good. i'm like no you're forcing that on me like <laughs> <laughs> you're talking to me with your eyes yeah i thought, yeah. I thought we we're gonna hook up i mean jesus she is fucking awesome yeah she really is awesome yeah it was interesting to do but it was fun her like twitter's pretty fucking gigs. gangster too isn't it yeah she's mm -hmm. got a pretty aggressive i think mm -hmm. she's one of the ones that i went down a rabbit hole and read all of them got, i mean she just the the fame of her too like we were shooting in Terrytown or something and walking on the street and she was like look there's paparazzi and i'm like what there's like all like within an hour run the daily mail like wow. us holding hands even though we're in a scene it's like nick Thune, anna kendrick and nick thune holding hands on set which is so like well yeah on set shooting yeah but everyone is like dude are you dating anna kendrick you guys are like holding hands off camera that's like, no. crazy <laughs> when's that thing come out I think in April, HBO Max Does you, have you, releases. Can you say what thing. it is or not yet? HBO Max. No, I know what HBO Max is, but yeah. what's this project? Can you talk about oh, it? Oh, it's her show. Yeah, it's out there. It's called Love Life. Yeah. And it's 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 it seems like a a great it's it's like a, each episode's like a vignette of her love life in her twenties. Like each each one's like a different guy. And then my character is in three because we get married and then you know. Really? Yeah. Did you get to kiss her? Yeah. Oh. Is she a good kisser? <laughs> it's so hard to know. What do you mean? Because it's not. You, I, this is what I tried to kiss? explain to anybody. It's like, yeah, I'm. It's not act. It's real kissing. 
but here, show me the nerves. <laughs> the nerves that I have or am going through, you know, like, yeah, there was a scene where I'm. I mean, there's a couple scenes where I had to be like going crazy, like I'm, you know, having sex, and she's like, kind of not whatever, and paying attention, and and I'm like going at it, you know. Yeah. And ugh, God, a rehearsal was so rough, and she's like, "Did you want to put like a pillow between us?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just because now I'm, you know, I, it's, it's, it was just like, just comfort. Like, yes. Okay. This is work. We're yeah, working. Yeah. This is job, but it's intense. I had one, I had one, I did a short called alpha male mm-hmm. where I play, it was, about, I was a mailman and I, me and this other guy were competing for the, for the, the head job of running the you know, head of mail in mm-hmm. po- the postal service. And I had one sex scene. And I'm a young married father at the time. I'm maybe 34, 33, 34. And it shot right around the corner from our house. So I was like really close to home. And I'm in tight male shorts, like mm. mailman shorts mm-hmm. that are that are way too high for me yeah, to begin I with. I mean, you probably fall out of those. Yeah. And so <laughs> we have a sex scene. I've got a wish I could remember this girl's it's name. It's like Dolly Parton in a bikini. And this girl was <laughs> so fucking hot. So hot. Oh, yeah and she takes her top off and i'm like and i'm on top of her she takes her top off and she's in panties i don't know why she needed to be in panties and we're in the bed and i keep my pants i have the pants on and we start going at it and i i haven't been with another woman other than my wife and we're like i'm trying to be funny but i'm like really grinding and she's grinding back and her tits are right there and she's like licking on me and my dick pops out the bottom of my pants <sighs> hard and just like oh we're fucking and i'm like i'm so uncomfortable that i'm like oh i gotta cut and they're like wait it's going great and i'm like yeah i need to reposition i'm i i think things are you know and someone's like is your, did your dick get hard and i was like no 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 no. i'm totally cool just give me a second she's like well come on just hop back on we were going really good i'm really in the scene and i'm like in my head i'm like i'm gonna fucking come all over this chick <laughs> <laughs> and cut <laughs> yeah she it's, was so fucking hot i didn't too. get aroused luckily like it's because it's so businessy and she was so professional but i had a friend that has a story of he he got hard and he in a scene and he was like i'm so sorry to the actress and she was you know i think definitely this is this specific actress i think other actresses might respond differently but she said that she would have been offended if he didn't who was the actress i don't even know i don't oh, know yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah. but like you know i know that like that that's totally inappropriate to get a, an erection even though there's nothing appropriate about what you're doing yeah you know you, there's nothing no and like i understand when, like like on my level of acting like it's hard to separate yeah but working with anna i actually got better at learning how to separate real emotions like really just separate this this isn't a sex scene like how because my job was basically to make it sexy you know for like because it's probably going to be a large women audience and they want like a guy to look hot fucking yeah and so i was like all right what are things that i could do that are gonna like look good on camera like just quick motions like little things that they can cut into and out of you know i started technically thinking about it which i think really helped i this is how unprofessional i am i once did a scene I'll be very vague so no one can figure this out. On one of my reality shows, uh, mm-hmm. it was in water and it was with a woman and the woman uh, was maybe not prepared to go in the water. And so she, all she was wearing was like 
a t-shirt and and a pair a pair of like board shorts mm-hmm. but the board shorts were way too big on her because she wasn't prepared and so she just dropped them for a pair of underwear if i'm not mistaken and she got scared her boyfriend was there she got scared and she jumped on my back and wouldn't get off my back and our director was like hey we need to separate you two because this doesn't look right because your boyfriend's right here and she was drunk and she kept swinging around to the front of me so that it was like i was fuck she was riding me Mm -hmm. we were in water and it and her tits are everywhere they're all over me and and uh and it's something that i think and, about every day and once yeah and once again it's once again I, my dick gets hard and i'm like and i'm like i'm not trying to mm-hmm. but i'm like it's you and I, she kept putting her feet on my junk she kept putting her feet on my junk and playing with my junk with her feet i don't know if she was flirting with me i don't know what it was or nothing she even knew what she was doing i she was she was definitely drunk and she we got out of they got out of the water and i was still in the water and we we're supposed to get in a boat and my director's like, come on, get in the boat. And I was like, I got it. You got to give me a second. She's like, why? What the fuck? She's like, what are you pissing? And I went, no. She was like, get in the boat. And I was like, I can't right now. She was like, just get in the fucking boat. And I was like, you got to give me a fucking second. I'm not ready to get in the boat. And it, my cameraman or my sound guy, John Sales, goes, "He's his dick's hard. She's like, what? He's like, all our dicks were hard. We were watching her bounce around. Man, I had to do one one time with Ron Howard watching. And- oh, <laughs> Ron Howard got your dick hard. I did a scene with Ron Howard. Wait, what did you do with Ron no, Howard? No, no. Ron Howard was producing this pilot that I shot that never went years ago for Fox. And I had this like full makeout scene inside um, the back of an RV in like 96 degree weather in Florida. And we were in the back of like, you know, the back of an RV where it's like the whole thing's a bed. There's not like room to walk around the fucking bed. And I'm wearing tight ass jeans and I'm doing a makeout scene where I'm like supposed to grab her boobs. And like, that's in the script and it's all talked about and beforehand worked out so that everybody's comfortable and on the same page. But it was unstoppable. And (laughs) it's, it's, no matter what, like, God damn it, Ron, how, you know, and I, you know, you know, it's not Buffalo 66. Like we're making the person suck our dick for the scene. It's just natural. mm -hmm. It happens sometimes. I'm sure it happens to like big actors have to have has happened. And I think that's probably why Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. I think it's definitely something everyone doesn't talk about that, you know, that it's yeah, it's regular. I mean, people hook up. I mean, actors are all hooking up. It's what a cesspool. I mean, it's got to be nice to know as this is probably I'm sure I can get me too for this even thought it would be nice to know like there's no real uh flagpole that pops when a woman's turned on you can't really tell as a guy like if you're turning a woman on but it would be nice Mm -hmm. to have that just like literally dick goes up and you're like well i guess i did it for that guy Mm -hmm. and to know that okay now i know i got i could i could definitely get what i want from him because he's you know yeah it i mean i'm sure that's a horrific statement to say in hollywood now but what i'm saying is i would just love to know that something was happening with my wife, like that there was, she was aroused at all. My wife definitely knows when I'm aroused. Well, anybody would, if you're wearing, you know, sweatpants or yeah. I mean, I remember I was at a party and a girl walked up to me and she just grabbed me and said, hi, my name is so-and-so and just looked at me in my eyes and then walked away. And I looked at my friend and I go, that was amazing. I wish everybody, 
said hi like that <laughs> in some way or another. Whereas like I, you know, I obviously wasn't feel physically threatened like she was bigger than me and she was going to take advantage of me. But at the same time, really fucking inappropriate on her part. Oh, yeah. Taking oh, well, a big swing. I had four lesbians do it to me at the DC Improv. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were they were they were taking a picture and my arms are behind all four of them. And the one up front goes grabs my junk and i was like whoa ladies and they're like oh we can't sexually assault you we're gay and i was like mm -hmm. all right and they were really attractive and another the other one grabs my arms are still back there and i'm like girls and then one girl goes i think he's starting to get hard and then the other girl takes her hand and shoves it in my pants and now my dick's like oh we're playing ball and i'm like hey guys 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 <laughs> they leave the next people come up and they're like this is really uncomfortable you're like the morals are up here yeah <laughs> down here is it just go time all oh the time. yeah this is a this is simply the guy that lives in the silo that presses the button yeah hey, I'm, I'm sorry we're at war conk i know it's kind of that feeling like Sometimes I feel like if I'm sitting down, you know, like on a like on my phone on a bench or something at an airport texting, what in my body is saying, hey, he's not shitting right now. Everybody go back. You know, like <laughs> like there's got to be one guy in there that's like pants are on. He's outside. He's no. Nope. I know what everything feels like we're shitting. So like the same. I don't think there is that guy for the dick. Right? There, there, yeah. It, pants are on. We're not shitting. We're not shitting. So like if a hand goes down there and grabs it, they're just the oh. dicks like, hey, something's grabbing it. Let's do this what we is, do we're on game on <laughs> car the guy's waking up slamming his alarm like God. who's calling me at fucking three in the afternoon <laughs> jesus i'm definitely having sex with my wife tonight i, I even just this conversation mm -hmm. i start going yeah i'm ready i'm ready uh -huh. yeah well dude this has been awesome i could sit and talk to you for fucking hours yeah man i absolutely love me. you i'm so happy that you're you're doing well thank you i wish i had known it had been that bad i would have been I would have reached out more. I didn't even know. There's no way to know, you know. I, I mean, had no clue. Yeah. But and, and what do you do in those situations? You know? I would have just fucked it up. I would have just been the wrong guy to reach. Maybe I'm not the best guy to reach out with one month sober. Like, <laughs> hey, man, do you want to talk? And then <laughs> I come over. I'm like, man, you should have been with us last night, huh? Mm -hmm. Even the guy with the Babylon 5 t-shirt got a blowjob. <laughs> Dave Attell. <laughs> Even the guy with the Babylon Five T-shirt got a blowjob. Oh my god! Um, well, fuck yeah! What? What? Anything to promote? You got dates coming up? Oh yeah, this tour in January, which is like the fifteenth. By the way, that was the most the seamless two-hour podcast I've ever fucking done in my life. Really? That is the most seamless two-hour conversation I've ever. The first hour was probably one of the best podcasts I've ever done. Like when we just talking about that because I I was listening. I never fucking listen on this podcast. That's what you do. That's what Anna Kendrick did for me. <laughs> Help me listen. But yeah, I'm doing a tour with Damien Gerardo, a musician. So we're doing like rock club, kind of like small theaters um, up and down the East Coast. Nice. When's yeah. that, when's that start? Nickthune.com ticket. This is January 15th. Okay. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. How many dates? I think we're doing 12. Nice. Nice. And then. 12. And then, yeah. And that's just like, we're co-headlining. Just we're going to go up together and then do our own things. That's great. And then um, what's the name of the, the musician you said that your friend that died? Richard Swift. I'm going to get that now. And Richard Swift um, actually is the reason that Damien Gerardo, the guy that I'm touring with and I are together um, because we're both friends of Richard's and then that kind of brought us together through Richard the memorial Swift. and all that stuff. 
All right, which one do I get? The Hex, the Richford Switch the collection? The Hex, listen, the Hex is his masterpiece. That's the last thing that, that, that came out after he died. That came out after he died? Yeah. All right, I just bought it. But if you go like on Spotify and just listen to like his top top songs, yeah, the song Dirty Jim on there, you're going to really relate to because you have daughters. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a, a line in that song. That song Dirty Jim is about... Um, is it Jimador? What's that tequila? The the Jimador, whatever it's called. Yeah, that's what it's about. Is that tequila? Really? And he, but he says, "When I die, tell my daughters not to cry." At the end of it, oh, Jesus. which, but it's one of his. Oh, best, he's gonna get me drunk. One of his night. best songs I've ever heard, to be honest. Dirty Jim. And he died at forty four. Yeah. In Tacoma, Washington. Did you go grow up with him? No, but he. No, but we. Um, we that's kind of the northwest is kind of what brought us together I, I i did four studio songs on my first album on if anybody's gonna check one of those out just listen to the song iron man uh and richard and i wrote that and he produced it and uh i spent like a week living with him and doing this album because he produced a lot he played in the black keys he played in the shins um he had his own solo career i mean he the guy's like he's like the musicians music like brody stevens or somebody yeah, where it's yeah. like everybody loves all the musicians like respect richard so much that's fucking great yeah oh, i bought us i just bought the hex so i'll be i'll listen to that on the treadmill tonight i'm definitely having a sober night tonight i guess i can't even take a fucking xanax now i'm gonna be overthinking it don't <laughs> don't overwork on the treadmill if you're gonna fuck oh yeah good call mm-hmm. i gotta fucking take a shower well dude congratulations yeah thank you richard swift and then let's do this again and when you get back from your tour yeah in february love it That'd be great, man. Yeah, watch Congrats, I'm, not, I'm drinking again. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by the machine.